is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents the, 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 the Haystack Show with Mike Guido. And it is a Thursday, and it's the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We're an iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldWideSportsRadio.com. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer, our lovely Big J journalist, Monica Ray, here with us as well. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, good, to, uh, good to have you in here on this Thursday. Good stuff to go over today. We play buy or sell. We're going to make picks today. Uh, Ray Anzelowitz, the president of Gotham Hoops, joins us at 1130. Uh, but I do want to start with this. So tonight, we've got Thursday night football. The Tennessee Titans head on the road to Jacksonville. They play the Jacksonville Jaguars. And um, here's really the story with that. Um, there isn't one. <laughs> now, and, and people are going to say, like, well, wait, what do you mean? It's Thursday night football. It's, you know, two great defenses and all of the, the – just stop. Okay. So Tennessee is favored by a point and a half on the road. They're favored by a point and a half on the road. So – Let's do this for a second. Let's take a look at what the storylines could be. Okay, so we all know that the NFL is a quarterback-driven league. So we have Gardner Minshew at, at quarterback for the Jags and Marcus Mariota for the Titans. That's what we get tonight. I'm not going to lie to you. Tonight is going to be a snooze fest. Tonight is going to be a snooze fest. If you didn't believe that the league is a quarterback-driven league now, uh, and I'm this is more of a prediction thing. I'm predicting that this Thursday night football game will be the lowest rated of the year. This will grab the lowest rating of the year in Thursday night football. Now, that doesn't mean that it won't be a good football game. I think it'll be a plenty good football game, but expect it to be a 13-10, 12-9, whatever it is, final score. And that's really what, it, what it's going to be. Now, we are, we are getting to the point, and I, and I always say this because I think that the league, I don't say that defense isn't important because I do believe that it is, but we're getting to the point now in the NFL where offense is becoming the state of the league. If you are good offensively, your team will most likely be successful. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have a great defense. But offense is what drives today's league. This is no longer a defense-first league. We're seeing it a lot more now. There's a lot more young quarterbacks that are good and talented, a lot more wide receivers that are good and talented. You see a lot more running backs that are good and talented. This is an offense-driven league. And what we're getting tonight does not fit the terms of the league. Hence my reasoning for why it's going to be low-rated. Tennessee and Jacksonville, an AFC South matchup between the two teams that could very well easily be at the bottom of the division because why? Tennessee can't score points. They lost by, they lost by two to Indianapolis at home by only putting up 17 points. This is not a great offensive football team. They got Derrick Henry. That's great. Marcus Mariota. They're probably moving on from him soon. Gardner Minshew is replacing Nick Foles. 
and uh, Gardner Minshew put up 12 points last week against Houston. Uh, I mean, what are we going to expect, guys? What are we going to expect from this game? Uh, Listen, I don't see this drawing great ratings. It has been proven before that success in this league and the excitement about this league, at least for the recent years, have become... We are. We want to see fireworks. We want to see fireworks. The four best teams last year that made it to the conference championship games were the four best offensive teams in football. New Orleans, the Rams, the Patriots, and the Chiefs. Those teams were all great offensively with great quarterbacks. And tonight, what we get is Marcus Mariota and Gardner Minshew. Two quarterbacks where it's very possible where after ne- after this year, they will no longer be starting quarterbacks in this league. Gardner Minshew will definitely not be, and Marcus Mariota very well might not be by the middle of this season. Keep in mind, they got Ryan Tannehill start, uh, as their backup, and it was a tight race between Mariota and Tannehill for the starting quarterback job. Tannehill outplayed Mariota in the preseason, but Mariota got the job. Because you can't, Tennessee as a franchise couldn't admit their guilt in drafting a, 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 an underwhelming quarterback right there. They couldn't do it. So Marcus Mariota, we're going to see them move on. Trust me. We are going to see them move on at quarterback. And this is why I believe that tonight's game, very low rated, very, this isn't what the NFL, uh, this isn't what the fans of the NFL want. Okay, we're going to see two teams that cannot score, cannot score. And it really is an unfortunate thing. And, and Evan and I have had this argument before, and it's been a very classic argument of ours, because I feel offense is way more important in today's league than defense, and I keep hearing the crap that defense wins championships, sir, all many, of that garbage. How, how many points did the Patriots give up in the Super Bowl this past year? Three. There you go. I don't care. It's a high-powered Rams offense. No, that is a high-powered Rams go. offense. There you go. Listen, I don't care what you say, man. <laughs> this is an offense-driven league, and this is what. I, and like I said, a couple of things that you want you're going to want to look out for tonight. Marcus Mariota, can he complete passes? The excuse for him that he doesn't have any weapons anymore is non-existent. Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, Delaney Walker, he's got weapons to throw to. There is no excuse. There is none. It's all on Marcus now. And we're going to find out, again, the 2015 draft class for quarterbacks was not great. And I think we can all agree with that. I think we can all agree with that. It was hmm, Jameis number one, Marcus number two. And both of them could be moved on from after this year. Both of them. So what you're going to see from Marcus tonight, what I think you're going to see is you're going to see a very underwhelming game. I think the Jacksonville defense is going to take over, of the, uh, take over this game. I don't know if Jalen Ramsey is playing or not. I don't really care. I don't think it matters. Marcus Mariota will get moved on from. Doug Marone said Jalen Ramsey is going to play. He is going to play. Okay. So Marcus Mariota, and we're going to – 
I find it amazing how many excuses that we've seen for Marcus Mariota. We make so many excuses for high draft picks in this league. Have you ever noticed that? It's always been like, Baker Mayfield's going to be a star, and, oh, Marcus Mariota doesn't have any weapons. Or, I don't know, let's, uh, let's go for, who, who is another quarterback that got drafted early? Uh, let's go with, oh, here's one. You ready for this? Uh, Jared Goff. I, I mean, listen. Uh, we we say it all the time. Like where you're, where you are drafted, means your impression in the league is a little bit better, right? You you people are tend to trust your talent more. I'll be honest with you, Marcus Mariota. I I think at this point in his career, he hasn't developed. He's one of the more under uh, underperforming quarterbacks in the entire league. I, I mean, the guy's a bottom quarter of the league quarterback. I think. I really do believe that. Give me, give me Marcus Mariota in like the 25-26 range as far as starting quarterbacks. And we're going to keep making excuses for, oh, he doesn't have any offensive weapons. All right. Yes, he does. He's got a, he's got a good coach with good culture. And do you realize that Tennessee's defense is great. Tennessee's offensive line is great. They've got weapons. They have a running game. What are they missing? Quarterback. It's not working. It isn't working. This is better than a 7-9 football team, which is what they seem to be, what it looks like every year. 7-9. Marcus Mariota, in the five years that he's been the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans, he's 28-29 and 29 as a starter. It isn't working. It isn't working. And Tennessee has had talented rosters. They've had talented rosters, and it isn't working. But like I said, low-rated football game tonight. Very low. I'm not excited about it. You shouldn't be either. I'm going to watch it because I have to, because I have to talk about it tomorrow. But, I, listen, I'm not excited about this football game. This will be a snooze fest. Snooze fest. I'm not excited. All right. Coming up next, Ray Anzelowitz, Gotham Hoops. He joins us. It's going to be 1130 Ray joins us, gives us his thoughts. He's, look, he primarily is our NBA guy. We're going to bring him on to answer some questions about the NFL. Uh, Plus, like I said, there's a lot of, there are some underlying stories going on in the NBA. I do want to touch on some of those with him. That's coming up next. It's the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Good to have you back. It's the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Uh, plenty of stuff to go over today. Good to have you in on a Thursday. Uh, what hey. you you said, Evan, that it's We Sports Thursday today because I, we forgot we forgot about making, it yesterday. I'm making it We Sports Thursday today. We Sports Thursday. <laughs> And there we I, go. We we'll hear that later. We completely forgot about Wii Sports Wednesday yesterday, so today is Wii Sports Thursday. That's and, right. And it's also Friday Junior. That's, that's right. Oh, that's right. We it forgot is Friday about that, Junior. right? It's Friday. It is Friday Junior. No sound Junior. effect for that? Yeah. Monica's <laughs> brainchild, Friday Junior. Uh, all right. I want to bring somebody on. Primarily, uh, we bring him on for some NBA stuff, but I do want to kind of expand that conversation with him today. The president of Gotham Hoops, Ray Anzelowitz. Ray, how are you, my friend? No, I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We're good. We're good. Uh, and here's my 
Here's my thing. I know you're a giant guy, so I, and this has kind of been the big story of the week. Uh, regardless, I want to get what your thoughts are on Daniel Jones starting in a minute. Uh, but the first thing I want to ask you is, I think the Giants made a really good decision by establishing who was going to start in week three on Tuesday instead of either today or Friday because it gives the media less of a chance to break down Daniel Jones. It, ha- it gives the, uh, the media less of a chance to, to pretty much say, uh, we're, you know, we don't know who's going to be starting and we break down everything. We break down whether uh, Daniel Jones is ready or not. The story just kind of becomes, uh, all right, we, let's wait till Sunday. We'll see what happens because we don't know anything. The guy completed 85% of his passes in the preseason. We don't have any material to bash him on now. I, I think the media made the, uh, the Giants made the right decision making the, uh, making the decision early. Uh, do you agree? I absolutely agree. I think that, that this was a universally positive um, move for the Giants that, that helped them because not only does does it give the media an appropriate amount of time to uh, run with this story, uh, whereas, like you were mentioning, each and every day just be the same question uh, until they, they heard a different answer. So the Giants automatically um, scrape that from, from any plans this week. And then almost more importantly, they're putting the ball in Daniel Jones' hands earlier than if they made this, this decision any later in the week. So I think the biggest thing to keep in mind is that he's getting reps with the first team for the entire week, and uh, that should be in favor of the Giants. Uh, of course, things are different under the bright lights on, on Sundays, but uh, the more time this guy has on the field with, with, his, um, with his number one team, the, the sooner they'll all mesh. So I think that the uh, – look, it wouldn't have been my decision to start him this early. I think it might be a little bit early for him, but, you know, for throwing him into the fire for 14 straight weeks. But, you know, listen, I'm not going to bash the Giants for doing it if they feel like he's ready. Uh, so if they do feel like he's ready, I think there's going to be a lot of ugly in this. I think if, the Gi- if Giants fans are expecting a lot from him, I think it's a mistake. I think there's going to be a lot of ugly. There's going to be a lot of – you know, not readiness. There's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, I guess there's going to be a big development period for him. Uh, What do you think that Giants fans should expect from Daniel? I think think from today, Daniel Jones is better than Eli Manning. I think he's less limited than he is, but I don't think that you should expect much. Do you agree? I do to a degree, and um, I can't necessarily argue anything uh, against what you just what you just brought up, all I'll say is that there's another layer to it. As far as as a Giants fan, I I believe that I know that we've been watching for football, and I think that we were that trend was going to continue. Um, and even it may very well head in that in that same direction uh, until we're we're back in playoff contention, which is hopefully sooner than later. But the point I'm trying to make is if we're going to watch that football, I'd rather our young, aspiring QB be under center than, than the 38-year-old. Because at least, at least then, um, Daniel Jones is, is developing his game. And the only way you get better is by being thrown in those situations. So um, to bring it full circle, if we're going to be bad, I'd rather be bad moving forward with, with, our, with our new quarterback. And I, I think I think that is possibly a shared sentiment 
with, with other Giants fans and hopeful, then I don't think that this is um, uh, uh, that the light switch has been turned on where we're now heading in this in a complete 180. There's still going to be a significant learning curve. But, but again, if, um, if we're going to lose games, I'd rather our young rookie get those reps because um, I think that's going to be uh, more beneficial for the Giants long term. Do you think him having a, I would say, an average to below average offensive line and a lack of really, I would say, a lack of elite receivers, because I don't think Sterling Shepard's a one, I think he's a two, and I think he's an, uh, about an average two. I think Golden Tate, when he comes back from suspension, is kind of past his best days. I think he's probably another average to below average two at this point in his career. Uh, I, I know he's got Barkley, and I know he's got Engram, but it reminds me a lot of Jared Goff. Goff had Gurley with no offensive line and no receivers, and he still struggled, and we still don't know if Pat Shermer can call plays. I, listen, listen, I think that, you, uh, in my opinion, I think you're, you're kind of throwing him into the fire a little bit because he doesn't have that much to work, uh, much to work with. Do you think that could stint his development going forward? Not necessarily, and and... I'm hopeful every week that we'll have a, a formidable receiver on the sidelines, but hopefully at least two. Um, we've been uh, played with the Yankees injury bug, even though we don't have the, the backups that they seem to have. Um, so with all that said, it seems like so obviously Golden State will be back in two weeks, which I, I think adds another wrinkle into into the decision-making now. I think holding off on, on uh, benching Eli would have been – more difficult as these assets were returning. So you do it now, potentially get Sterling Shepard back on, on Sunday, um, uh, as well as uh, the rookie um, uh, Clayton, and, um, and, we'll, and we'll see. So um, I, don't think, I don't think it will hinder his development. It's going to um, have him, the Giants are going to need Jones to, to do more with less. So when the time comes that they have a star receiver again, um, Jones will already his his development would have skyrocketed, and um, and again this is far down the line potentially. I mean, even though the Giants are going to be in line to draft a guy like Jerry Judy, but um, that that's for another discussion. So I think I think um, Jones will be fine with the, with uh, the pieces he has on the field. And one thing I don't want to uh, I don't want people to forget about is his ability to make plays. Um, with, with his feet. I think he's um, an undervalued rusher with the ball, uh, whether it's um, avoiding uh, sacks or just picking up a few yards. And I think that's something that um, at least I'm excited to see him him um, develop is just his ability to, to make plays uh, with the ball in his hand. So I, I want to kind of shift over to the NBA. I, I, I haven't talked to NBA in a while, so, so I want to kind of catch up a little bit uh, on these stories. So uh, Team USA, and I know that not a lot of people care about World Cup basketball right now. I, I, I know that it's right in the thick of football season. I know that not a lot of people care about this, but I think it, what happened to Team USA in the World Cup, I think, kind of spells something to where the NBA, I, like, it seems like to me these NBA players want to play basketball less. For some reason, it just seems like, all right, I'm going to keep myself healthy for the regular season, keep myself healthy for the playoffs. You know, as long as I can make my money and do all that, then 
you know, necessarily playing the game of basketball is, is a little bit less important. It, it, and it's a little troubling to me. It really is a little bit troubling to me because it never used to be this way. It, it never used to be where you used to skip Team <laughs> If you got an invite to Team USA, there would be like a handful of players that would say no, but the most of, you know, the overwhelming majority of them would actually accept the invite and play and make the team and actually compete at that level. I, I think it's a little bit troubling. What are your thoughts? There's a few different ways to look at this. Uh, I know that this has been a, a buzzword as of late, but I, I truly do believe that at least a portion of this can be contributed to what we're calling nowadays lowest management. And we've seen, granted, we've seen the same couple of teams in the finals with the exception of Toronto this year, but even they've had a guy like Kawhi who's, who's played in a couple of finals in, in, recent, in recent memory. And uh, why I bring that up is FIBA recently changed their slide. Uh, or when they're penciled in before the Olympics. And I think some players are wary of um, donating two whole off-seasons or two entire summers to Team USA. And, and there's no doubt about it, there's no silver lining that they undoubtedly um, put the Olympics over the World Cup. The FIFA World Cup is, is a world-renowned event, and there's nothing like it. The FIFA World Cup just doesn't, um, uh, measure up to it, and 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 while it's still an accomplishment to to win, and kudos for for Spain to um to, to come home with the gold, but these guys have Olympics in their mind, and uh, Steph, has, someone like Steph Curry, who apparently recently has already committed to playing in next Olympic team, he already won two World Cup uh, gold medals, and for him, I, I don't blame him. This is someone that that hasn't had a summer in in the past couple of years. Uh, for at least uh, almost half a decade now, and um, and I think that a lot of these guys don't see the the reward outweighing the risk when it comes to playing in a international event that isn't the Olympics. So, uh, not to get too far uh, too far ahead of ourselves, but I think that people need to start visualizing what this Olympic team could be because, truthfully, it can be uh, scary as an understatement. It could be uh, a polarizing roster. Um, heading into next year's Olympics. So I'm glad international teams <laughs> had their fun in this World Cup and credit against Spain and, and those great team guys like Louis Scola, Anderson Vergeau, a couple of former NBA players um, getting it done, and Andrew Barbosa and other getting it done in this world stage. But um, 2020 is coming, and this USA team is going to be out for redemption for what their former and or what their NBA comrades weren't able to accomplish. You know, I, I think that's an uh, an interesting way to look at it. I really haven't looked at it from the load management uh, standpoint, and it's surprising that I haven't because it is such a a common topic for that. I, now, look, we keep giving this guy a platform, Ray. We keep giving this guy a platform. I mean, the guy's got a reality TV show now, you know. But this is a this was a really, I, I would say, stunning moment from what I saw from this. So uh, you know exactly who I'm talking about, right? LeVar Ball, who, yeah, I mean, big baller brand, big ball brothers, all that, you know, all of that stuff, uh, sitting down in a kitchen with Lonzo and basically saying, listen, uh, the brand is doing just fine. You're damaged goods, all of that stuff. I, I mean, I, I'm listening to, all of, uh, to him say all of this. I'm just like, listen. 
if you want to, I don't have necessarily a problem with him being honest with his kid, but there's a difference between being honest with your kid and being honest with your kid on national television. It's just, I feel like there's a huge difference there. I think the relationship with the Ball family has, has kind of led astray, and I think that LeVar Ball, it, it, he's sounding way more in over his head with his own brand. I, what do you make of the whole Ball situation, and is Lonzo Ball damaged goods? I'll, I'll start with the latter, if you don't mind. Um, I, I don't think so. I think that he's had a rocky start to his career, and it was funny. There was a story just came out. He must. I don't know. I don't know if he, I know he was recently on Josh Hart's podcast. I don't know if he mentioned it there, but or read somewhere else. But anyway, he said how he was. He was like violently ill during his pre-draft workout for the for the Lakers, and he apparently was so uh, had such a poor performance that they had to reschedule another one. Um, at his local high school prior to the draft. And that, from what I can register, that's certainly not the norm where not even a lottery pick, but someone in contention for the number one overall pick has such a bad performance in, in a private solo workout that they had to reschedule another one. And I just mentioned that tidbit because it seems like even before he was drafted, even before he wore the purple and gold, um, he had to fight uh, uphill battles and some of those that were maybe out of his control. Granted, I mean, we, we all um, we can't necessarily predict every time we're going to get sick. We can't predict. These guys can't predict um, when they're going to twist their ankle or get hurt. And uh, there's a lot of money in predicting that sort of thing. Right. But that's a conversation for another day. Um, so I don't think he's damaged good. Uh, the more I think about where he is, I think that this New Orleans team is a, is a match made in heaven for, for a guy like, like Lonzo. And um, I am they're, – they're almost worthy enough of – of buying league pass, um, and then of course you throw um, Zion Williamson into the mix. But this is going to be a fun dynamic team to watch, and I think Lonzo is going to feel right at home. Um, and then reverting back to um, to the Ball family, uh, I think we're seeing we saw the climax uh, with with him getting the shoe out, uh, with the other brothers healthy and playing ball overseas, and now they're they're coming um, to to a hard fall. Um, I think it opened the door, showing us that LeVar may have may, may treat his sons almost as if, as if they're a commodity or an asset at times, and um, and hence, hence that line, that's what I took away from it. It's disappointing um, to, to hear that. There's no doubt about it that there's, that there's a lot of tension, and, um, and I'm sure there's even more that is said and done behind the scenes, but I'm not overly surprised. Um, that, that there was some sort of uh, dialogue uh, like, like we just heard. So hopefully they can just move on from it. Lamelo was in Australia doing his thing um, so far, and uh, it'll be a big year for him. Uh, he'll draw a lot of NBA scouts to, to, to go see him. Um, and hopefully they'll, they'll be two ball brothers in the NBA in a couple of years. Well, hey, listen, look, I never doubted – uh, the Ball Brothers talent. I mean, and I, I actually kind of feel bad for the middle brother, LiAngelo, just because he seems like he's so much, he's so much more inferior as a basketball player than Lonzo and Lamelo are. But um, l- let me just get he into this. He too. didn't do himself any favors with the incident. No, 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 no. Last no, no. year, so I, I don't, I, 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 I agree, but he needs to be doing the opposite of that. He needs, he needs to be shooting in the gym instead of um, doing some. 
some right, he needs to not be robbing Chinese stores. I, uh, that I completely okay. understand. Now, hey, listen, but but here here's my thing, right? Is like the, you brought up the Josh Hart interview with uh, with Lonzo and everything like that, and, and I, I think that's a good point to bring up because one of the things that he said in that interview also was, listen, Lonzo would be wearing these big baller brand shoes, and he said they they would literally fall apart as I would. They'd make it through a quarter. And then I'd have to change him out. He's like these these shoes were just not ready to to go. They just weren't ready. And we had heard it so many different times from people that have actually ordered the shoes that aren't professional, you know, basketball players. They were just kind of buying them. They have a high price. They were like five hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. And people were saying, like, look, they they look counterfeited. They just, they don't look like they're good shoes. They you could see the glue stains. You could tell the material was cheap. It was just it it wasn't great. It, and you know it, it, there was a whole thing with Alan Foster and and yeah. everything about that. I mean, th- we know that we don't like talking about the Ball family as it is, but it just like it, and I never doubted Levar Ball's intent. I don't think Levar Ball is doing this with his kids with bad intentions. I really do think that he's he's trying to elevate them and do this for them. I, I don't doubt that. But my my thing is is that if you are trying to push this forward, you can't say that they're damaged goods if this could essentially be your fault, you know. And, and as far as him tell, uh, telling Lonzo Ball that this is damaged goods, I mean Lonzo was being right up honest with him too. Saying, listen, it, it, it isn't just me that's saying the brand is kind of out there. It's every, it, everybody else's. It isn't my fault. I, I, I just, I think this whole thing is a very messy, sticky situation with them. I don't know. I, I like, I kind of lost a little bit of respect. I really did. For the family as a whole? Uh, I, I would, uh, primarily for, for LeVar. Le- I would, uh, and you've known me as much as I, as much as I've talked about this, for the extent that I've talked about this, I've primarily given LeVar Ball the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. But now I don't know if I can, right? Can I? Yeah, and, and, and I'll, I'll tell you why. And I, I'm hoping that, that, that you can appreciate this. So how I also look at it is Lonzo and in a way, insult, or at least LeVar took it as an insult to his figurative baby. And um, I treat, I, I consider Gotham Hoopsa an entrepreneurial baby, as I'm sure you do with, with the Haystack show. Right. And um, I think how LeVar reacted to his baby being, um, being insulted was he, he insulted his own baby. And uh, I, I don't, I don't know if that was necessarily the best approach, but that's that's just the way that I look at it. So, um, I just, I just, uh, I think he he uh, had a poor choice of, of words, and but he, he reacted how how he saw fit, and uh, someone was insulting his his, his brand, and and um, and he retaliated by insulting what he had um, uh, his, his own child. So it's just an interesting. Yeah, no, it, it is an interesting story. I, I do want to touch on something else, too, right? Because, uh, and we're seeing this a lot now, too. We're seeing a lot of these lists being made. You know, the NBA kind of, when we get into, like, August and September, the NBA does not really have a ton of stories. So publications and NBA writers come out with these lists of, you know, uh, greatest players of the 2010s and 
you know, the greatest small forwards of all time. And, and they come out with all these different stories, and they update them every year, and they do all this stuff, right? So but what I recently saw is that a lot of NBA writers are getting in on this same story where they, they have, like, the GOAT conversation for that for the current decade. So for the 2010s, they're saying, all right, so the three primary players that we're looking at in this decade are LeBron, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant. And I'm thinking to myself, I I feel like we're kind of disrespecting Kawhi Leonard by not yep, having I him agree. on that list. I, uh, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Because I, I think that, I, I don't think it's wrong to have LeBron, Steph, and Kevin Durant, but Kawhi has to make it on that list, doesn't he? Uh, I, one hundred percent. And if it's not one LeBron, two Steph, it needs to be three A KD and three B Kawhi. Because there's no way you can have a discussion about the best players or the the best impacts, most valuable guys in this decade, and um, not have Kawhi mentioned, especially after what he did this past year. You can make an argument that, and I know there's a little bit more to it because it was Cleveland. But what LeBron did for Cleveland a couple of years ago um, with the depleted Cavs roster and what Kawhi did this year, um, both getting their teams over the hump against the, the Warriors, um, I don't think they're, they're, that, they're that different. And, of course, coming back um, the way the Cavs did is, is pretty monumental. But, um, I, yeah, I agree. There's no, there's no way around it that you can't, um, not have, you can't have Kawhi off. All right, Ray Anzello is president of Gotham Hoops. Uh, it's always good to have you on, Ray. Uh, we look forward to having you on again, Ray. Thanks. I appreciate it. Take care, guys. Ray Anzello, he always has good stuff. I, look, he's like my go-to NBA guy. He's definitely my, and I know he's a huge Giants fan, so I know he texted me. He said, listen, I want to get in on this Daniel Jones thing, so I wanted to get his thoughts on that, too. Um, so, Ray Anzello is a good guy to talk to. Uh, all right, let's throw it over to the news with our in with uh, no, not interim, our regular Big J journalist Monica Ray here on a Thursday. All right, so Daniel Jones, he's he's starting his new era in the Giants, but what does yeah. that mean for Eli Manning? Do you think maybe he'll take a trade? This is the last year of his contract. Do you think he wants to play? Well, here's like first of all, I don't know why the Giants would want to trade him. I don't get that. Yeah. Like I don't get. Uh, first of all. There's a bunch of reasons why I don't think this would work, okay? First of all, if you're an opposing team, if you are any of the other 31 teams in the entire National Football League, why would you want Eli Manning? Well, First of all, like Eli Manning isn't good anymore. He just well, isn't. What, what upgrade is he over your backup? I don't think he, I don't think he is one. Well, they say he's an average quarterback, and there's lots. He's not average. There's lots of teams that could use a quarterback. There's no way he's average anymore. He's below average. I would say so. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Look, yeah. look, Eli, and I'm pretty sure Evan can agree on this too. Eli's just done. I mean, Eli, I think more than any other aged veteran quarterback in the league, he's he looks like he's the most ready to retire. Well, it just, Eli it just, just looks done. It just, it just looks like he's lost his, fab, his fastball. Now, I, I don't know. One of the reasons why I felt like I was a little surprised they made the move was because he played well against Dallas, relatively well against Dallas. Buffalo was a struggle, but a lot of quarterbacks are going to struggle against the Bills this year. In terms of a trade, I don't think if Eli wants a trade, 
then the Giants should do their due diligence and find him a spot. At least, you know, that's how, at least that's, that's what they show him. I don't think he's going to ask for a trade. I think since this is the last year of his contract, he is 38 years old, going to be 39 in January. I think after this year, he's going to retire, and he'll finish his career as a Giant. I think Eli, for the, Eli's a team guy. He's a Giant for life. He's, he's going to stay on the team, not demand a trade, and he's going to take these next 14 games to help and develop well, Daniel Jones. Well, hey, if he listen. does want to trade, then the Giants should do what they got to do with their best to give him a home, to give him a place to be traded to. Okay, but think about this for a minute. If you're the New York Giants, Eli Manning, when he was the starter, can't spend any time with Daniel Jones, right? Because Eli Manning has to prepare because he's the starter. Yes. Right. Eli Manning who knows Daniel Jones like the back of his own hand, you you should not leave Daniel Jones in the quarterback room by himself. Right. And Eli Manning, as much as I rip him for not being a great football player anymore, I I think he is as smart of a football player, uh, almost as smart of a football player as you'll find, and I think that he's a good man. He can spend the rest of these 14 weeks of his career being a mentor for Daniel Jones and retire after that. Yeah. Like, think about this. Like, I'm sure Eli deep down says, yeah, I obviously I want to play, but it isn't ultimately up to him. You know, he could, right. if he wants to play, I, he's taking the risk of, all right, I'm not going to finish my career as a giant and I may not be able to get signed by a team. Because I don't know who would sign up for Eli Manning to be their backup. He just isn't good anymore. Yeah. I just and I don't I don't see that. And plus, having a celebrity backup is not necessarily the way to go. Eli Manning is a it would Eli Manning would be a bigger story than whoever the starting quarterback would be, and you don't want that, right? That's what part of the reason why Colin Kaepernick won't get signed is because Colin Kaepernick. It doesn't matter if your quarterback is Baker Mayfield. It, Colin Kaepernick would become your storyline if you if you sign up to be your backup quarterback and you right. don't want that. So Plus you know, there's point the, blank uh, and simple, Eli Manning's career after this year I think should be over and he should just and the, it isn't really him. I think the Giants shouldn't entertain trading him at all. I don't care if you get a first round pick for him. Don't trade him. You need him in your locker room with your young quarterback. Alright. You have to. You you there is no solid reason for you to trade Eli Manning. There isn't. You got to keep him there. So, talking about quarterbacks, the curse of the quarterbacks continues, right? So, Drew Brees posted on social media, uh, I think an emoji thumbs up, that his thumb surgery went well. And they said, uh, now it looks like eight weeks. Eight weeks. Eight weeks he's going to be out, and then he'll have to try to get back and see if he can hold the ball. God, that sucks. So, that... That puts the Saints pretty much out of everything, don't you think? Uh, for eight weeks, uh, what are the, what's the Saints' schedule for the next eight weeks? Okay, well, I gotta see their actually, I gotta see their bye week. I want to see when their bye week is. Their bye week, I think, is week ten, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's week ten. Well, they get the Cowboys. So they get the cow. Oh, no, I'm sorry. They get the. Um, oh, they play. Oh, they, 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 they Seattle play this Seattle week. Sorry, this yeah. week. They get Seattle this week. They play next Dallas. Week, next week they get Dallas. Next week they play Dallas. Dallas will um, win. <laughs> okay, so Seattle, Seahawks, Cowboys, Bucks. Uh, at the Seahawks, home against the Cowboys, home against the Bucks, at the Jaguars, at the Bears, home against the Cardinals. Week nine is their bye week. 
Uh, then they're home against the Falcons, and then they're at the Bucks, home against the Panthers. So that's one, two. That's kind of a rough schedule. I think it's kind of the same thing. If they can go four and four, then I don't think they're out. Because think about this: like the the NFC South was supposed to be like the best division in football. We were supposed Atlanta's going to come you're back looking, with the injuries, and Carolina's all talented now, and New Orleans is great. You're looking at November 17th against the Bucks or November 24th against the Panthers. I mean. And that's if all goes well. Well, yeah. my, here's my deal. New Orleans, uh, nine and seven can win this division. Nine and seven can win. I don't know who in this division I trust. Like, I don't trust Carolina at all because of Cam Newton, and I can't trust his health either. I don't trust Tampa Bay at all. I think Tampa Bay's out. Atlanta, we all expected for them to come out rolling after all the injuries, right. and through the first two weeks against Philadelphia and Minnesota, they haven't. And New Orleans has no Drew Brees. So, I mean, nine and seven can win this division. I don't think I don't think the Saints are I don't think they're done. I think the Saints could very well still win win this division. Just depends on what Teddy Bridgewater you get. And we got somebody new in the quarterback curse, Cam Newton. Now, he hasn't made practice in uh, two days. Yeah, jeez. So we don't know if he's going to play, but he said he re-aggravated his foot sprain. So Hmm. they're dropping like flies. If you're a quarterback, watch out. Here's my thing. (laughs) This is my big takeaway from all these injuries to quarterbacks. So all these quarterbacks are getting hurt, but somehow... We can't have them play in the preseason. It's the preseason thing. We got to cut down the preseason. Yeah, I don't understand. All these guys are getting hurt in week two. Right. I mean, maybe they should have played. Right. Seriously, preseason is there for a reason. You have to get your body prepared for the year. And if you can't do that, then you can't play. Right. I I don't know. I, I think it's very simple. Very simple. All right. All right. That's the news. Big J journalist Monica Ray here on a Wii Sports Thursday. Even though it really it really shouldn't be Wii Sports Thursday, but because we missed Wii Sports Wednesday. We just forgot we just forgot about it yesterday. Yeah. We just completely too busy, huh? We totally blanked on yesterday. Wow. <laughs> All right. Uh plenty of stuff to go over today. Coming up next. Uh I think older quarterbacks in the National Football League. We're going to see a slower process of them dying out more quickly. See what I mean? Next, Haystack, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents The, 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 the Haystack Show Yo. with Mike Guido. And, well, hi there. It's the Haystack hey. on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Mike Guido, Evan Mazza, my producer. Monica Ray, our Big J journalist. Good to have you in here on this Thursday. Um, so I was making a list of young quarterbacks yesterday uh, that could go into the 2020 NFL draft. These are not NFL guys yet. These are all guys in college. And um, you'll appreciate this, Evan. We were, uh, it was me and our good friend Joe Spano um, oh, yeah. that were making a list of young quarterbacks that are going to get dra- that could get drafted next year. And it was amazing what we discovered uh, that we didn't realize. Neither one of us realized this. There are realistically, are you ready for this? 
Go for it. Seven quarterbacks that could go in the first round. You've got Tua. You've got Joe. Tua. Tua. Tua Herbert. From uh, Jake from Joe Burrow, Stephen Montez. No, no, Jacob, no. Jacob I would. Eason? I would go here. Hang on. Here we go. Tua Herbert from mm-hmm. Burrow. Joe Burrow. Jacob Eason. Ellinger. No. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. And uh, who was the other one? Uh, hang on. Uh, it was Jordan Love, Utah Jordan Love. State. Jordan Love. So those seven guys, I think, have a realistic shot at getting drafted in the first round. Now, of course, all of those guys won't go in the first round, but at the end of the process, we're looking at seven guys with that potential, with possible first-round grade potential. So I'm not sure we've ever had a class that this is that's this loaded. I don't know if there's a... If there is a generational quarterback talent in this draft, but well, I'm not sure we've had this many well, good there ones. Is, well, there is one in 2021. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. my boyfriend, um, Mr. Lawrence. But I think this is going to be a trend. This is going to start being a trend now. We've we always say that it's a quarterback-driven league, which it is. Nobody's wrong when they say that. But we have. But have we noticed that not very many teams need one? Think about it. Think about it around the league. The NFL is loaded, loaded with guys that can play. You know, it it, it kind of gives me the idea that some of these older quarterbacks are going to die out of the league sooner than they usually have. Okay, so like, think about this. Big Ben is what thirty six or thirty seven? Yeah, it's going to be thirty seven. He's going to be thirty seven. He just had a season ending injury. Pittsburgh could very well look at one of these quarterbacks and be like, we're just going to move on from Big Ben. But they have Mason Rudolph. It all depends on what they see in Mason Rudolph. Right. And no, they you're right. They drafted Rudolph in the third round a year ago. Right. They so They obviously saw something in him. So what, I, what I'm saying is, is that because there are so many gr- good young college quarterbacks, I feel like the older NFL quarterbacks are going to become like pitchers in Major League Baseball. Where we're, we're happy for, you know, we'll, ha- we'll be happy with you till you reach like 33, 34 years old, but we want to get rid of you before your downturn. You know what I mean? And we'll move on to something else. And I know people are going to be just like, oh, come on, Mike. Yeah, once you get a quarterback, you don't give him up. Well, you're not really. You draft a quarterback when he's 22 or 23 years old, you have him for 10 years, and then you filter him out. What about this strategy? I, I've seen this strategy get thrown out, get thrown a lot, and I and I think the Patriots kind of do it they because there's of, not enough room for these guys. Ev. No, no, there isn't. No, but my, I've I've seen this strategy get thrown around, and I've seen that I think the Patriots have done it before, drafting a quarterback every year, like in the second and third rounds. Even if you have one, you draft one every year. No, and I yeah, and I, I'm, I'm not I, in on I, that. I, I disagree with that too, but I, I want to kind of like throw that strategy in because there. I don't think. Here's my thing on that. If every team lived by that philosophy. It feels like a wasted draft pick, right? If, if you feel like you have one. Well, no, it isn't even that. But that strategy would work if only one team in the NFL was doing it. If one team in the NFL said, okay, we're going to draft a quarterback in the second round of every single draft until we get our guy. No matter what. No, but even if you, okay. have, your, even if you have your guy, you still pick one like third, fourth, whatever sure. round. Sure, and th- that's fine. That's fine. 
My thing is, is that if every team took on that philosophy, and not even every team, but there were a good number of teams that took on that philosophy, there wouldn't be any quarterbacks left. You'd be drafting 25 quarterbacks deep in the, you know, in the college ranks, a guy that isn't going to make anything in the NFL because he's a quarterback. There aren't that many, there aren't that many NFL-ready quarterbacks in the league. There just aren't. So if every team said, okay, we're going to get in the second round, we're going we're gonna to draft our quarterback, and 20 quarterbacks get drafted in the second round, you're going to be getting guys that, are, that should be UDFAs or seventh-round picks drafted in the second round, and you waste the second-round pick. Like, uh, that strategy works if one team in the NFL did it. If 15, 16 teams did, in the NFL did it, you'd have 20 quarterbacks going in the first two rounds. You're going to run out of quarterbacks. There's just I don't think there are enough for teams to do that. No, where it isn't a wasted draft pick. That's a, that's why I also feel like it's a wasted draft pick because if you feel you have your guy and you got him, you know, if you feel you have your guy, you want to build your team around him and not, now, my, and not pick and not pick an insurance just in case. My argument will remain like this, and I've kind of clarified my argument. I'm going to clarify it again. Okay, I don't care who has the number one pick. I don't care who has it. I don't care. Next year in 2020, or two years from now in 2021, whoever's the number one pick, I don't care who your quarterback is, you're taking Trevor Lawrence. I don't care. I don't care if, you, uh, I don't care if Russell Wilson is your quarterback, you're taking Trevor Lawrence. I also think if a, if a contending team say they has the number one pick, you can leverage that. Because if you feel like you have sure, a but you can leverage that and, and someone, someone trades up. Sure, pick, but like if Cleveland has the number one pick. If Cleveland has the number one pick. Move on from Baker Mayfield and take Trevor Lawrence. Now, I, now I, Cleveland could do that because because that's same three thing years. with the Jets. Move on from and I love Sam Darnold. You know how much I love Sam Darnold. If you get Trevor Lawrence at the number one pick, move on from Sam Darnold. Well, that's the thing though. Like Darnold and Jet, the Jets and the Browns are different. If are actually different to that because after there are a lot of teams that quit on their quarterbacks after three after like three years. I mean, there are a lot of teams that quit on their quarterback after like after a year or two years. After three years, if the Jets and Browns have the number one overall pick, and they say, okay, this is not working with Darnold slash Baker Mayfield, oh, we got this other young guy coming up named Trevor Lawrence, we think he's, really, he's going to be the next big thing, then you take him, and then you, tra- and then you offer up Darnold or Mayfield, because then you say, well, after three years, it's just not working, right? Because that's three years, out there of five, three or five years of yeah. their rookie contracts. You know, three of their five years of their rookie contracts. So they could say, well, it's not, it's not working out, Here's because we obviously have the number right. one overall pick. We're going to take Trevor Lawrence, and we're going to move on from Donald Baker. It's different when a, with a team like with a rookie quarterback, rookie contract, right. than a team that has an established quarterback. You know well, what I mean? Well, here's my thing: is that we've got this year, and and and, and Spano and I went through this list, and we said, okay, legitimately, there are seven quarterbacks that can go in the first round, and then we made a list of of the rest of the guys that can go from rounds two to round seven, mm-hmm. and there's, I mean. 12 more of those guys, right? Mm-hmm. So, KJ Costello oh, and right. Nate Stanley and... and uh, Patterson? The, Shea Patterson, right? There's uh, Steven Montez, who you said before. Mm-hmm. Um, Lewerke from, from, from Michigan State. Yeah, plenty of guys. El- plenty El- of... Uh, Ellinger, Ellinger El- from, El- from Texas. Texas. Yeah, plenty of guys. Sure. But... My thing is, is that this is why I think 
Because we're seeing this progressively go on and on and on. And I, no, I, I don't think I'm overreacting to a strong quarterback class. Because, of course, that not all those guys are going to work out. Not all the guys in the NFL are going to work out. We don't know if Trubisky will work out or Allen or, or Rosen or any of those guys are going to work out. So teams are going to need quarterbacks. There will always be a team, a, a team or two with a desperate quarterback need per year. Mm-hmm. But if you've got six or seven first-round graded quarterbacks coming out, and we're going to start seeing this year after year after year, there just isn't enough room for these guys to play. I mean, you have teams like the New Orleans Saints. I mean, you have teams like the Saints. And the but that's Patriots what I mean. Is like, instead of waiting till your quarterback is 39 or 40 mm-hmm. to draft his replacement, you draft him while, he, while your quarterback's 33. Well, technically, New England did. did, did now, I... Brady was what 35, 36 or something like that when they drafted Garoppolo. I could be, I could be, my math could be really wrong. Some, something. My math he was really in his upper thirties. Yeah. yeah. So, but they decided they Belichick. Now, obviously, there was that whole dispute. Belichick decided. Belichick wanted Garoppolo. Kraft said no. No, we're, sticking, want, with we're sticking with Brady. Garoppolo's now in San Fran. The Saints have had Drew Brees for. It's unbelievable. It's been 12, 13, 13 years now wow. since two thousand six. It's amazing. It's been that long now. You know, we forget we forget Drew Brees started his career as a San Diego Charger. <laughs> his Charger run is like gone. No one remember, barely nobody anyone. remembers no, him with the Chargers. As a, as a Charger, he, he is a, a New Orleans Saint. Yeah, but the Saints have had numerous opportunities. The Saints could have had numerous opportunities. The Saints last year, last year I'll never forget. We were watching the draft, my brother and I, and they trade up in the first round. Right, they trade up to get Davenport. My brother and I were actually looking at each other. We we're like, this could be Lamar Jackson. We yeah, like, we were this thinking, could be Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I was looking at Tyler, thinking the same thing, and yeah. Tyler's a Saints fan. And I was, uh, he was like, oh, God, no. And then he took Marcus Davenport, and he was like, okay, all right, I can live like, with that. We all, like, we, but that's the thing. Like, the Saints have had numerous opportunities to pick a franchise quarterback, a future successor to, to Drew Brees because he's getting older. And they just haven't done that because they look at Brees and say, well, we have a chance to win the Super Bowl. We have a chance to win now. You know, we always say it's a win now. Lead. Oh, sure. No, I, we have a chance to, we still have a chance to win Brees, and Brees still playing at a high level. Uh, listen, and I that, get that. The problem is now. The problem is now you're looking at Teddy Bridgewater. It's like, well, Bridgewater, maybe. Well, teams with the generational talents are not going to move on. The Chargers. So you, look at the Chargers. Get, if, you get a, if you get a Breeze or you get a Brady, you're not going to move on. But char- if you get if you get Phillip Rivers, if you get Big Ben, if you get – he's not there yet, but if you get Matt Ryan – you're not going to hold on to him until he's 38. You'll hold on to him until he's 33, 34, and, they felt, and, and the, move on to the next guy. And the Chargers have held on to Rivers for this Because long. if it didn't work for 10 years, what's making you think it's going to work for the next six? And the Chargers have held on to Rivers without a Super Bowl. Without a Super Bowl without a Super Bowl. But appearance. that's my thing, is I think teams are going to realize, now, there are a lot of these good young quarterbacks that are coming up right now. Right, There are more good young quarterbacks than there ever have been. More go- it's the same thing with other positions, too. There are way they're more talented running backs than there ever have been, way better wide receivers than there ever have been. I mean, players, on the, especially on the offensive side of the football, are getting breeded so differently. They're just so good. They are so good. And with that, what I'm saying is, is why wait for your quarterback to have that steady decline? You know what I mean? Dump him after you've gotten his best. And once you see him starting to go down, to draft his replacement. And that's what I think is going to start happening. Because if you're seeing the surplus of young quarterbacks, you're going to start seeing, all right, well, we're going to hang on to our, onto our quarterback. We've had him for 10 years. But we drafted him when he was 23. We'll trade him when he's 33, 34. Mm-hmm. And then we'll just move on to the next guy. 
listen, if you can get 10 years out of a quarterback and he starts winning Super Bowls and he becomes generational, he becomes Brady, he becomes Breeze, he becomes, uh, I don't know, Brett Favre, he becomes one of those guys, Peyton Manning, then, yeah, don't move on. But if you have Big Ben and you have Phillip Rivers and you have, like, those second tier of guys, then, yeah, why not? If you Listen, if you have the assets to say, all right, well, we can keep Big Ben on his steady decline, or we can draft Justin Herbert, then take Justin Herbert. You know what I mean? Like, If there's going to be five quarterbacks drafted in the first round of every year, because I do believe that that's going to be the, that is going to be the, the thing. I think that's going to be the trend now. You know, there's seven this year. In the Trevor Lawrence year, there's probably going to be three or four. Mm-hmm. It's going to be something along those lines. Favre was entering year 14 when they drafted Rodgers. Well, he was entering year 14 in the league when they drafted Rodgers. But that's, what I th- that's my thing, is if you've got one of those guys that isn't generational, after 10 years or so, don't wait till he's 38, 39 to draft a quarterback. Wait till he's 33. What's the longest a quarterback's been on any particular team? Brady. Is it Brady? Brady? Yeah. I think it's Brady. Probably Brady. I mean, Brady's, uh, Brady's been a Patriot since 2000. Yeah. It's 2019. Wow. I mean, Jesus. And it's going to be 2020. Cause Montana, hey, Montana went to camp. It's, it's extremely rare. It, we're, I was actually thinking about it. It's extremely rare when a quarterback lasts an entire career with one team. It's probably going to happen also with Ben, with the Steelers. It's going to happen, I guess, with Eli, with the Giants too. Uh, if he retires at the end of the year, obviously Brady now with the Patriots. You know Montana finished his career with Kansas City. Um, uh, Steve Young, actually Steve Young didn't even start with the 49ers. He started. He started. Uh, he was in Tampa Bay in the U and also in the USFL. Troy Aikman uh, finished his career with the Cowboys, but the thing with Aikman was his career unfortunately ended due to concussion. You know, so. But like, I, you um, see where I'm going with this, Brad, right? Bradshaw, like, Terry, Terry Bradshaw's career ended due to sh- due to shoulder injury. You know, you know. So it's sometimes, sometimes it does end. Sometimes it does end. You know, with the team, with a player right. finishing out his career and still playing, like like it's going to happen with Brady. Other times it happens, but other times they stay a career. Sometimes it happens with an injury, like Bradshaw or Troy Aikman, where they're unfortunately forced to retire. Steve Young actually, I think, was the same thing, uh, or it could be, or something like Eli, where he gets benched. You know, could be something yeah. like Eli, where he gets benched. But All right. Uh, let's go to break. Coming up next, it's one of our favorite games, Evan. What do we play? Buy or sell. Bye, bye, bye. Did you get rid of it? No, oh, no, no. That's right here. I just, I just want to say buy or sell. Mm. <laughs> sell, sell, sell. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye. Yeah, there's all that. The house of pain. Buy or sell. That's all coming aboard. up next. See, uh, all aboard. We're not going to have a chance to play Nab the Stat or anything. Time to play Nab the Stat. Oh, that's your favorite game. That is your favorite I game. I love I Nab the Stat. How do you play that one? Uh, Evan has to say, <laughs> so Evan will say, like, who in Major League Baseball, who is third in the American League in batting <laughs> average? And I have to guess who it is. The best was his game with John Fogarty. John Fogarty oh, my God, game. and I crushed oh. him. <laughs> I crushed him. <laughs> well, that was kind of unfair of me, too, because I was kind of spatting out answers. We should have done it where, like, I had a guess, he had a guess, I had a guess, he had a guess. Like but a- it was kind of just like, like, Ronald Acuna, Placido Polanco. Like, it was crazy. Placido Polanco. Jeez. Placido Polanco. I remember Say that Polanco. five times fast. Placido Polanco, Placido Polanco. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Placido Polanco. Buy or sell. Coming up next. Stay with us.
You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Evan, I told you no more making out in the hallway. You insisted. I did not <laughs> insist. You said, Mike, I miss you. And then I was, then I was hooked. Then I couldn't. Oh. So it's my fault? Yes. Oh, it's my fault. <laughs> it Why is it always my fault? Oh, my fault? My fault. My fault. Oh, boy. Mike Guido, Evan Mazza, my producer. Monica Ray, our Big J journalist. You said you needed it. Okay, so don't blame on me. I did not say I needed anything. Okay. okay. I don't need anything. Okay. Okay, okay Mike. Whatever. <laughs> Speedy Petey. Hey. He's joining us today. Look at this. I crashed the half second half of the show. Like yeah. He's invaded our show today. Uh, but that's okay. He knows, more, he knows more about football than any of the rest of us. So, uh, Evan, let's do a little bit of buy or sell. We haven't done it in a while, so let's do it. Here we go. All right, buy or sell. So, buy or sell. Tonight, this might, this might be a little easy, but buy or sell. Tonight will be Taylor Ramsey's final game in a Jacksonville Jaguars uniform. Buy. I buy, buy that. Buy. I don't think that there's any possibility that he plays another game after this one in... Uh, in Jacksonville, I think the relationship is completely torn apart. Doug Marone and him are not on the same page of what they're trying to do. I don't buy it. I think it's a very tough situation for them, but I'll buy the fact that Jalen Ramsey is gone. He's gone. There's no way. All right. Buy or sell. Gardner Minshew makes his second, second overall start tonight. Gardner Minshew against a tough Titans defense. Will complete 65% of his passes tonight against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say that. I'll buy that. Buy, buy, buy! Because I think that... <laughs> I don't think Gardner Minshew is an inaccurate thrower of the football. I, I don't think he's special talented. I, look, I just think that uh, the Titans' defense... The Jags are going to run the ball a lot tonight. I think they're going to run the ball a lot tonight. Leonard Fournette's going to get a lot of action... Uh, I think that you're going to see a lot of short, intermediate routes. They're not going to let Gardner Minshew throw the ball deep a lot. They're going to they're going to keep it very conservative with Gardner Minshew. So I'll say, yeah, he'll complete 65% of his passes tonight, sure. So, all right, this will be fun. So the last time the Jacksonville Jaguars and Tennessee Titans met last year on Thursday Night Football, Derrick Henry had the game of his life. <clears throat> Excuse me. He had the game of his life last time. I think it was what, 200 rushing yards or something like that. I guess 212. 212 against them. Game of his life. So tonight, Derrick Henry will have Derrick Henry will have 150 rushing yards tonight. I'm gonna sell that. I don't think he gets there. Look, I think this Jaguars defense is really good, and I get that he was he did this sell, against sell, them sell. last year. But my thing with Derrick Henry is that I think if you're expecting him to do this again to the Jaguar defense, I think you're being unrealistic. I think he could eclipse 100. 150, I think, is a little much. It's a lot to bet on. So I'm going to sell that Derrick Henry goes over 150. Plus no Lawan either. Yeah, no, no. if there's no Taylor Lawan, you've got no, uh, you've got nobody blocking Calais Campbell or, or Josh Allen. So I think, I think it's going to be tough. All right, last one for this game. Marcus Mariota will throw two. Marcus Mariota has four touchdown passes and zero interceptions so far this season. So buy or sell. Marcus Mariota will throw two touchdowns and one interception tonight. Damn, that is specific. <laughs> sell. Uh, I, I don't think he throws. Sell, a, sell, I don't sell. think he throws a touchdown. I think Derrick Henry will run for a touchdown. 
but I do not think that he will throw for a touchdown. Marcus Mariota, I'm very low on Marcus Mariota. I think he's a very overrated quarterback. I think his draft position is what kept him in the league for so long. I don't think it has anything to do with what how he's performed. Uh, the no weapons excuse is not there anymore. He's got A.J. Brown. He's got Corey Davis. He's got Delaney Walker back. He's got guys to throw to. So that excuse doesn't exist anymore. I, I'm... I'm going to sell that. I, against this Jaguar defense, I don't think Marcus Mariota has a good day. All right, Speedy, you ready? All righty. Buy or sell. We're going to Tampa Bay, Giants, Bucks. Daniel Jones makes his debut against, uh, against the Bucks defense. Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator. Daniel Jones will throw for over 230 yards in his debut. Uh, I'm going to say sell. I, I think sell, he'll. Sell, sell. I think he'll throw for 200. I don't know about 230. I think I've said like low 200. I'm thinking like 210 and a touchdown probably because Tampa's defense has actually been pretty good this year with Todd Bowles being there now. They're, they've gotten some pass rush, the outside rush, and you saw that against Carolina really do a good job. Now the Giants' offensive line is a little better than Carolina's this year, but it's still not perfect by any stretch. So I, I'm going to sell it for right now. Again, plus again. Saquon Barkley will still be the focal point of that offense, even with Jones' debut. And the Giants' defense will be on the field a lot, too, because their defense has really been bad, and the Bucs have a lot of weapons on offense. Mm. All right, Monica, Mike, you guys ready? Yeah. Buy or sell? The Dallas Cowboys will drop 50 on the Miami Dolphins on Sunday in Jerry World. Bye-bye-bye! Bye-bye-bye! Bye, bye, bye. Bye. <laughs> I, I listen. I, I, that's not an exaggeration. I think that they will. I, I, they dropped 35 on the Giants. They dropped 31 on the Redskins. The Redskins have a good defense. So I think Miami. You're going to see a lot of time of possession with Dallas. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they dropped 55 points. Can you say that a different way with your with your voice? Oh, with uh, <laughs> oh, what's his name? Here we go. The, the, the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> there we go. They, I love it. They're gonna, they're gonna get uh, a big piece of. They're gonna score a bunch. They're gonna throw. They're gonna take most of the scoring pie <laughs> uh, yeah, against the Dolphins. So I think uh, 55 points. They're gonna, they're gonna score about 55. They're gonna have 55 slices of pie. <laughs> I love it. 55 slices of pie. Right. The 55 slices of pie. <laughs> and okay. uh, after that. Uh, we're gonna give Dak. Uh, we're gonna give Dak uh, pieces of today's pie and then pie from the future <laughs> and uh, the past. And the past. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna pay Dak. We love Dak, and uh, and uh, I love pie. Never gets old. I Never love gets it. old. Never gets old. Okay. This is for all three of you. Now, this is for all three of you. Which now means my, I go first. Now my raven. Well, no one said that. Now my raven. I said that. It's my show, Evan. Gone. 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 <laughs> all right, so my Baltimore Ravens go into Kansas City to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Battle the undefeateds. Pat Mahomes. Now, this is a game the Ravens almost had last time they met. Last time they met, the Ravens were a fourth and nine stop away from beating the Chiefs in Kansas City and almost pulling off the upset. Now, last year, I'm trying to look, trying to look at Pat Mahomes' stats here against the Ravens, if I can get it and be a good producer. You're almost there. We have very low expectations for you, Evan, <laughs> so don't worry about it. So Pat Mahomes last year against Baltimore, if I can, if I can get it up here, yada, 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 yada. Okay, here we go, 2018. Last year, Pat Mahomes against the number one, against the Baltimore Ravens was 35-53 for 377, two touchdowns and a pick. Pat Mahomes, now the Ravens' secondary is kind of banged up, and their secondary really struggled last week against Kyler Murray. 
So buy or sell, Pat Mahomes will throw for over 350 yards and three touchdowns against Baltimore this Sunday. I am buying the hell out of that. Ooh, I'm buying the hell out of that. And look, bye, bye, bye. I, it has nothing to do with Baltimore. I think Patrick Mahomes is a different level of guy. Patrick Mahomes very well could be the best quarterback I've ever seen in my life. This wow. is an incredible, and I'm serious. I, I, I'm talking pure talent-wise. I think he's better than Aaron Rodgers ever was. I think he's better than Peyton Manning ever was. I think he's better than Tom Brady ever was. From a pure talent standpoint, Patrick Mahomes is flat-out unbelievable. Doesn't matter what defense you throw at him, he will torch it. I, I, to be honest, I, I would buy this. 303 touchdowns. I wouldn't be surprised if it was 404. I, I really would not be surprised if that were wow. the case. So I'd buy the hell out of that. That's Monica, a big buy. Monica, buy yourself. Uh, I would sell I'm it. overpaying for that. Yeah, I think that's a lot. I think that's really high. Sell, sell, sell. Yeah. Speedy? I'm half and half. I, I think you'll get the touchdowns. I don't think he'll get the. I don't think he'll get 350. I think he'll throw for over 300. I don't think it'll be 350 because they still have talent in that secondary with Marlon Humphrey, with Earl Thomas, with obviously Tony Jefferson. They're definitely down some corners. Jimmy Smith is still out from what I know, and obviously Tavon Young's out for the year. So they still have decent players. So I don't think he'll get 350 yards, but I think he'll be. He'll get 300. I definitely don't think he get, he'll get the touchdowns because the Chiefs don't have a running game. So. He'll definitely get the touchdowns for sure. And he showed with the big plays last week, even without Tyree Kill, that he'll be able to do it. Yeah. And the uh, the Ravens defense did allow 114 to Christian Kirk and a lot to Larry Fitzgerald as well. So those speedsters could definitely get the yardage. So I do, I do think he'll get a great game, but I don't think about I don't think he'll get 350. All right, we buy an end of All right. Jets Patriots. Oh, boy. Week three, Jets Patriots in Foxborough. Antonio Brown, if he plays, it looks like he will play again this week. Antonio Brown, like I say, weak Jets cornerback situation will have 10 catches for over 100 yards and two touchdowns this week against the Jets. Sell. Sell, sell, sell. I'm going to sell that. And look, I think the matchup is appropriate for that. Because I think the Patriots have one of the best wide receiving cords in the entire league. And the Jets might have the worst set of corners in the entire NFL. But my thing is, is that the Patriots don't usually let that happen. If there's going to be a guy with 10 catches, it's going to be Julian Edelman because he's their most common receiver. Usually anybody or James else. White. <laughs> or James White. Usually anybody else is around five, six catches for 80 yards or whatever, 75, 80 yards. I, I, I'm going to sell it because the Patriots do a good job at spreading the ball around a little bit. I, I think the matchup is there, but I sell that Antonio Brown's going to get the ball that many times. Yeah, I, I would sell it too, but I think that sell, sell, sell. Antonio Brown, uh, he just lost his Nike endorsement. So I think a lot of stuff is, is going to be weighing on his shoulder, so I don't think he's going to have the performance that he could. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I agree with Mike. I, I, th I would sell it too, just because I don't think he'll get the targets sell, sell, to sell. get 10 catches. I, I think he'll have close to 100 yards for sure, but I think the Patriots have him more as a that sophisticated, deeper route type of receiver where they don't, they're not going to have him have 10 catches for 80-something yards or 10 for 100, like you're saying. He might have a touchdown, but I think he'll have more of that like six or seven catch stat line for 100 yards, not really 10. I can't really see that be the case because the Patriots will spread the ball around, and he's not really that short pass check down kind of guy. Let's go to baseball. 
Drunk Halston made his, is making his return. Or made his return. Yes, the Yankees make their run to the push, their push to the postseason. So, in the lineup, John Carl Stanton will be the biggest in the lineup, not the pitching staff, but in the lineup, John Carl Stanton will be the biggest X factor entering the postseason. Uh, yeah, buy that. I'll buy that. Bye, bye, bye! Because imagine if Giancarlo Stanton plays well, what it does for that lineup. Like, if Giancarlo Stanton comes back and he is Giancarlo Stanton, uh, World Series, forget it. Uh, uh, you're not getting by that lineup. Because think about this. You've got to deal with Gary Sanchez, Luke Voigt, Glaber Torres, DJ LeMayhew, Didi Gregorius, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge. Freaking... My God! Edwin Encarnacion, like... Oh, where are where's your break? Where is your break in that lineup? Gio Urshela, if he's in it. I mean, if they don't get Aaron Hicks back, you still got Brett Gardner, who's having a great year. I, I mean, you don't have a break in that lineup. You don't. I I I, I don't know. I I think it's crazy. If Giancarlo Stanton is himself, that is a that's scary. That is scary. Monica? I'm going to go with Mike and say bye. Bye, bye, bye! Speedy? I'm going to say opposite. I'll say sell here. I think it is an X factor. I don't think it's the biggest one. I think the bigger one will be the unknown guys. Either guys making their postseason debuts, which is a lot of that rotation and some of the young players that they have, and as well as the depth hitters. I think that'll end up making more of the difference because... Giancarlo Stanton, his presence in the lineup is going to mean everything. They need him there. But they could also, again, pitch around him if they're more afraid of those guys. So if the Urshelas and like the other platoon players like that step up big in the playoffs, Luke Voigt in his first playoff, uh, oh no, his second playoff appearance, like he didn't see a lot. So if those guys step up, I think that'll make more of the difference because the stars are matter in the playoffs for sure, but it's usually those depth guys, those breakthrough guys that all championship teams have. The Red Sox had it last year with Steve Pierce and Jackie Bradley and guys like that. So if the Yankees are going to do it, it's going to come from their young players and a lot of those depth pieces that carry them all year. So Stanton will be an X Factor. I don't think he's the biggest one. Me and I, we were talking about this during commercial break, the wild card, National League wild card race, and the possibility of it being three teams in the wild card. So I'm going to ask all of you guys, buy or sell, three teams in the National League Central will make the playoffs, which means the Cubs and the Brewers will be the two wild card spots. The National League is only a game and a half in the first wild card spot. No. So three teams in the National League Central will make the playoffs. Sell. 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 I, I, first of all, I think the Nationals have a spot. I I, I don't think that there's going to be a spot. They're going to give up a spot. I think it's going to be, right now I feel safest saying it's going to be Nationals and Cubs in the National League wild card with the Cardinals winning the division. Uh, but that's my thing. Is I, I Three teams from a division making the playoffs is really tough because that means you got to dominate the lower part of your division. Pittsburgh and Cincinnati were not terrible teams this year. They were, and, and it isn't like the Cubs, the Brewers, and the Cardinals all destroyed them. They put up competitive baseball against them. So I'm going to say sell. I, I think it's going to be Nationals and Cubs. The NL Central will not put three teams in the playoffs. Monica? I'm going to say sell because I think statistically it just doesn't make sell, sense. Sell, sell, sell. Hmm. You know? <clears throat> I'm going to say bye. I'll, I'll be, I'll bye, be bye, different bye. here. 
I, I don't trust the Nationals. They're a very hot and cold team. They've been that way all year, and they're historically a very collapse-prone team. They don't play well in September. They don't play well in the second half of the season a lot of the time. Obviously, they, didn't, they don't win in the playoffs. I don't trust them right now. I think they're so hot and cold, and the Brewers are getting hot at the right time. Even without Yelich there, I'm surprised how well they've played. And the Cubs, I just trust a little more with Joe Madden, with the depth they have. So I, I really just do trust that I don't, I don't trust the Nationals right now. The Phillies are getting hot. It might be too little too late. The Diamondbacks and the Mets, same kind of thing. They're going to have to trust a lot to, in order to get in, in for sure. So I'm going to buy it for now just because I don't trust the Nationals. All right. Saints obviously, <clears throat> oh boy. Saints obviously suffered a big injury with Drew Brees. He's out, looks like, six to eight weeks. So, buy or sell, the New Orleans Saints will have a 500 record by the time Drew Brees gets back. Ooh. Tough one. I'll get their schedule up for you right now. We've talked about the schedule. Seahawks this week. St- uh, Seahawks this week, they get the Cowboys. Obviously, the next week, their bye week is week nine. So here's your rec. So here's your Seahawks, Saints, Bucks, Jaguars, Bears, Cardinals, bye week Falcons, Bucks, uh, Falcons, bye week Bucks, Panthers. So the Saints will have a 500 record by the time Drew Brees gets back. Yeah, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. I think they could go. I think they could go 500 with Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's a capable backup. Uh, he's going to run a very similar offense. Teddy's pretty accurate throwing the football. Uh, I don't see much of a drop-off. I, I, I think Teddy Bridgewater will play well uh, in that offense. So I'll say, yeah, they can go 500, without a doubt. Monica? That seems like a reasonable argument. I'm, I'm going to go with Mike. Bye, bye, bye! Speedy? I'm going to go bye as well. I think they have enough bye, home bye, games. Bye, bye. I, I, I think they have enough home games they can win in that stretch. The Seahawks on the road is going to be a loss, and I think the Bears will probably be a loss with a dome team going to a natural grass that usually doesn't bode well for a team like that. So I think those two games they probably would have lost anyway, but if Jalen Ramsey gets traded from the Jaguars, that's definitely a winnable game, depending on how the rest of their defense does, obviously, but we'll see if that ends up being the case. And their home games, I think, are all very winnable. They've always been a tough home field advantage, and those those home home games are definitely winnable where they can be at the bye week four and four. I don't think it's impossible. They still have a good defense. They still have a good running game and offensive line. And like Mike was saying, I think Teddy Bridgewater, as he goes along, can grow in the playbook, grow with those weapons, and become a, a competent backup for sure. Cowboys at home is winnable. I don't know. That's I, I think. That was, was I don't. Terrific. I'm not going to rule it out. It, it, the teams that usually go into New Orleans and win are the teams in their division a lot of the time. An outside division team that doesn't play there that much, it's going to be hard. And New Orleans does have some matchup advantages on Dallas. Dallas has not been great against the run this year like they were last year. I'm not going to rule it out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Dallas. I'm with you now. All right, that's buy or sell. Good to have you in here on this... Thursday. Uh, All right, coming up next, I think tonight's going to be a snooze fest. If you thought that this league was offensive centric and quarterback driven, tonight's going to show you exactly why that's correct. I'll tell you why next. Taste Tech, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents the, the, the Haystack Show. With Mike Guido. It's hour number three, and it's the Haystack on a Thursday on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. 
We're on iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Mike Guido, Evan Mazza, my producer. Monica Ray, our Big J journalist. Speedy Petey joining us as well. Hey, Speed. Hey. Howdy. Howdy. There you go. Perfect. All right. Um, I thought we were going to do Woody from Toy Story. Hey, howdy, hey. And Fat Albert, Evan? Fat Albert? Well, that's, that's hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. All right. Um, we're going to make picks later in the hour, but I do want to start with this. So Thursday night football's tonight. Jaguars, Titans. It's in Jacksonville. Tennessee's favored by a point and a half. Um, now, here's my deal with this. I, uh, there isn't anything the NFL can do about it. This is just kind of me complaining. Okay. Tonight's going to be a snooze fest. It is going to be a snooze fest of a football game. Really is. And I'm going to keep hearing, defensive showdown. It's going to be great. I'm so excited. No, I'm not. I'm really not. Tonight at quarterback, this is a quarterback-driven league. Tonight at quarterback, we get Gardner Minshew and Marcus Mariota. Don't hate on the stash. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I understand that a porn company wants to endorse him. No, it's actually a true story. They actually did call Gardner Minshew interested in an endorsement deal. Um, but listen what we're getting. Jimmy G's running up now. <laughs> trying to yeah, steal. hey, listen. Oh with, his, with his new girlfriend, even though I don't think, I think they went out one time and that was it. But very underwhelming quarterback battle. I, see, I don't understand how people can say that they're interested in ugly football. Okay? I'm so much more interested in when teams score a ton of points, you've got offense going after offense, all of this stuff. I, and that's where the league is shifting. The league is shifting to more of an offensive game. It is less defensive than it, than it ever has. It, it's just, this is an offensive sport now. For the most part, it is just one big offensive sport. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with sitting here and telling you that I like offense more. Because I know everybody's at a defense wins championships and, oh, you need a great defense. I'm not telling you you don't need a great defense. But you realize that this game right here is between two teams that have quarterbacks that might not be starting for them by the end of this year. Marcus Mariota might not make it through the middle of this year, and Gardner Minshew, no matter what happens, will not start for the Jaguars next year, right? You realize that. These are two quarterbacks that are not starting quarterbacks in this league right now. You're, you're not going to give Mariota the rest of the year, though, to at least test himself out because this is the first time he has had the weapons, though. I don't know. From what I see, I don't see it. I mean, he, if you he you played well score. against the Browns and iffy against the Colts, so so far we have he was a terrible f- against the Colts. Right, I, I know, but it, like that's your sample right now of two games. If again, if that's the pattern. And he's going to be inconsistent the rest of the year. Fine. Look, I'm not. Giving, I just want to see if they you're can right. keep I, I'm not, with the weapons. You're right. I'm not giving them a zero. Per, uh, giving him a zero percent chance to uh, to be their starting quarterback. But you do also have to realize this is fifth year in the league. In order for him to be the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans, Titans next year, they have to pay him. Well, of course. I'm just they saying they got to pay him. They, and this if is they a don't want run. to do that, they'll move off him. This is a test run now that he finally has the targets where they can do that. And obviously, he's not going to spawn a big contract, but this is a test run where it's going to give him a chance to do that. Because, again, they don't need much else right now. The Titans have a lot of good defensive pieces. They have a lot of good – they have targets now. They have offensive line in place. So 
I've always said that Mariota was smart and he was talented. They just needed the weapons. But if he's still struggling like he did against the Colts, then obviously it's a bad look. So it's just a matter of that. I would give him the chance in the full year. And again, if he, if he still doesn't do it, then, of course, they could look elsewhere. But I'm going to give him that chance. To say I, he's not a starting quarterback, I think, is a little much. I don't know. Right now, he doesn't look like one. But again, it, what a, this is what I'm seeing through what I've through his first five years of his career. Okay? The excuse for no weapons does not exist anymore. He has it now. A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, he gets Delaney Walker back. I, he has weapons now. Now, here's my thing. I like Jacksonville in the game. I like that Jacksonville's at home. I like the fact that I like the way this defense matches up with Mariota. I, I like Jacksonville tonight. But here's my thing. Expe- I, I, this is more of a prediction for me. This will be one of the, and probably the lowest rated Thursday night football game of the year. Because what we're going to see is it's going to be 13-12. It's going to be 13-9. It's going to be 12-9, 12-10. That is going to be tonight's game. Everybody's going to get bored of it. Okay, I'm going to watch it tonight because I have to. I got to watch it tonight. But let's expect this, and let's ask a couple of uh, a couple of gentlemen that are in front of us right now. Tonight's game, Jacksonville and Tennessee, probably going to be low scoring, 12-10, 13-10. Are you guys at all interested in that? Pound the under. Pound the under. See, there you go. He's pounding the under. That's right. <laughs> well, yeah. We, if the gambling, man, all right. So then we've got some alter, we've got some alternative motives here. But my thing is, is that most people, and this is what we're seeing now, right? That's why we have increased defensive penalties. That's why we have all of this stuff going on. There's more talented quarterbacks than we've ever had. More quarter uh, talented running backs we've ever had. More talented wide receivers we've ever had. This is an offensive sport right now. Well, yeah, that's anything. That's every sport right now. All the casual fans like offense. That's right. That's what I'm saying. This is going to be a low-rated football game. I'm, uh, look, look, I have to watch it tonight because I have to. It's my job in order to do that, but that's, that's what I can do. Last year, last year against the Jaguars, Mariota, first game, 12-18, 66% completion percentage, 80-point 80, 80 pass rating, 100 yards, seven rushes for 51 yards. The second time they met, 18-24 with a 75 completion percentage, 162 yards at a pick. You know, you know what's fascinating about this game in particular, though? I feel like these two teams have played on Thursday Night Football each of the last four years. They pro- I think they have. They I, know they have. Definitely they have. Did. I know they definitely did in 2016 because the Titans lost that game and lost their playoff spot because of it. And last year was the Derrick To a, a 4-12 and 12 Jaguars team. Last year, obviously, was the Derrick Henry. I thought they played in 2017, too. I want to say, like, week 8 or week 9. They probably did. It's a classic matchup now, Titans and Jaguars on. But th- seriously, it's an AFC South matchup. It's probably the least popular division in football. And well, it's a lot of newer teams. That's why. But and you're also getting no offense in this game, none. I'd be surprised if one team scored over twenty tonight. All right, uh, let's go to the news with our big J journalist. Monica Ray here on a Wii Sports Thursday, even though it's supposed to be Wii Sports Wednesday, Wii Sports Thursday. Whatever. All right, so whatever. I, can't, Thursday. I can't speak. <laughs> so Jaguars, Ramsey, there's been a lot of buzz about what what team he might go to. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, they're talking Chiefs, Eagles, Seahawks. Chiefs, I that'd be interesting. Oh, if he went to Kansas I City. I don't think Ooh. it'll be Kansas City. Yeah. I don't think it'll be Kansas City. I'm really, and I was saying this from the beginning before it even came out in the rumor, I'm really scared that it's going to be Philadelphia. 
Yeah, that's I'm really that. scared that it's going to be Philadelphia. You did say that. I have a really dangerous feeling that it is going to be Philly. So what? What do the Jags get in exchange? I mean, uh, look, I, I I was talking about this yesterday. I wouldn't give up a first round pick, but they're probably going to get a first round pick. Probably going to pick. They're up. probably going to get a first round draft pick. I don't think they get two. You know, like I said, it, it, blockbuster trades in the NFL. In order for it to work, you got to check four boxes. You got to check. All right. Is it a good contract? Is it well? There, it's a new contract, whatever it'll be. Well, that's the what team I mean. That's is, trade for him is going to pay. It, well, it has to be a good contract situation, right? You, as soon as the as soon as you get him, you got to pay him. So it's got to be a good contract situation. He's got to be a good age. He can't be too old. He's got to be talented, and he's got to be a good locker room guy. Jalen Ramsey only gives me two of those things. He's young and he's talented. Contract. Well, we don't know what the contract is going to be yet, and we also don't know where he's going. So that's still. But what an I'm unknown. saying is, is that if they can't come to an agreement, you're basically giving up first round picks for one year of Jalen Ramsey. Right. You know what I mean? I, I'm not in on that. What I, What I'm saying is, the contract, you have to pay him as soon as you get him. You know what I mean? But I think his agent will be on that too, and he's going to be the highest paid corner in football. Of course, I just think his agent will be on it too. Before, I don't think you're going to see a situation where the team gets screwed. Well, no, well, maybe. But what I'm saying is, is that you're not getting him on a rookie deal. You don't have him on an already established contract. You don't have any of that. You have to make sure you have to be able to pay him in order to get him. And obviously, the character thing for me is an issue. But I think Ramsey and the agent will have a lot more leverage in this than people think. Well, so. yeah, I, listen, look, I'm not talking about leverage. I'm talking about the contract situation I don't think suits well for... I don't think it suits well for whatever team gets him. Because no matter what, if you are giving up first-round picks, you have to get him back. Well, of course. It's the same okay. thing with Amari Cooper last year with the Cowboys. Well, of course, but it also depends on their contract salary cap situation, though, too. That's why I agree with you. It's going to be hard for a team like the Chiefs to be able to do it because they're already paying a lot of defensive players big money, and obviously they're going to have to pay And their defense is still bad. Their defense still has holes, yeah. And I think it'll get better with Spagnuolo over time, but I think... They still have holes with a lot of new players, and they're gonna have right. to get. They're gonna have to pay Mahomes. They just paid Tyree Kill. They just paid Travis Kelsey. So there's a lot with dealing it. So it's gonna be very hard if they're gonna do it. If they're gonna go all in on that, fine. But it's still gonna be tough. So I think it just depends on the cap situation more than anything else. Philly so. is Philly is definitely the team after Kansas City. Philly is definitely the team I'm looking at too because they have secondary they, problems. They should be. The question is. Are they going to give Jacksonville what they want? Because their GM is very stingy. Roseman. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's talk some taco. It's lunchtime, right? And my favorite team, the Cowboys. So Taco Charlton wasn't at practice the last two days. What does that mean? Well, he got cut. He's gone. Yeah. Gone. Taco Charlton so is cut. It's crazy. I'm surprised they couldn't find any trade partner for him. Nobody wanted him for anything. Yeah. I mean, that's a... I I really gave him way more credit than I should have. He really was not great. I I, I, Honestly, if you're you're a healthy scratch for two weeks in a row and Robert Quinn isn't healthy, who did you lose your spot behind? Kerry Hyder? I mean, my God. That's there's crazy. Al- there's also been a lot of talk that this is the best Cowboy team in a decade. Probably is the best Cowboy team it, in a decade. Yeah, what do you think? It's interesting, too. With Taco Charlton, it's interesting because the doubt, you know, we 
Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones and the Cowboys County Department have absolutely nailed the draft the last several years. And this is kind of that one blemish, that one blemish with Taco Charles that just hasn't worked out. And, of course, now when you look at hindsight, David Njoku went after Taco Charles and T.J. Watt went after Taco Charles. And so, I mean, hindsight is 2020, but still, that, that's kind of like the one blemish for the Cowboys' recent drafts because they've been so good drafting. Now, the best best Cowboy team in, a de- in the last 20 years? No, a decade. Oh, a decade. 10 years, yeah. I mean, it's – I mean – the 2014 Dallas Cowboys was pretty good. The 2007 Cowboys were also really, really good. But this Cowboys team's loaded. Yeah, it's loaded with young talent. Uh, young. Are they better talented. than 07, though? 07 was I mean, 07 really was really good. good, yeah. That's more than a decade. 07 was really yeah. good. That's more than a decade. We're looking 2009 to now. Yeah. Numb nuts. I mean, 20. <laughs> I mean, 20. Numb nuts. That's new. Uh, 24. I mean, I mean. 2014, I guess, would be the next Cowboys. I team. think this team's more talented than 2014. I, I think, think so. 2014, it was a lot of the same units just doing well. Yeah. I think this team is still a little more balanced as a whole. I think it's better than 14. I don't think it's better than 07. I mean, no. 07 was very balanced too, where they actually had a good defense. They had uh, they had set corners that could play, and they had. A, I think they had a just as not. I wouldn't say just as good of an offensive line, but a pretty close to this offense. I mean, Zeke, Zeke, obviously, you got Zeke against DeMarco Murray. Zeke, as good as Murray was, Zeke was Zeke, Zeke. And if you want to go to 07, I, mean, I know Pat, we're going past a decade, Mike. I mean, yeah, DeMarco yeah, Square, the breaking the rules. Square, Julius Jones, Terrell Owens, they had Witten. That offensive uh, line was pretty good. With It was very good, too, with Flozell Adams, Andre Gerard, yeah. Leonard Davis, guys like that. So. Miles Austin. Miles Austin was on that team. I think Roy Williams was there, too. Yes, he was. So you had... Definitely talent there. Jason Whitman was in his prime and one of the best tight ends in football. All right. Terrence Newman Terrence when he was Newman, when he was in his prime too at corner. Roy Williams the safety yeah. too they had was very good. That was a dark yeah. And I promised Evan I would look up the world's most expensive cheesecake. Yeah. Because that's the that's world's your most expensive cheesecake. Yeah. We like we like talking about food. It's lunchtime, so the world's most expensive cheesecake was sold for four thousand five hundred ninety-two dollars and forty-two cents in, of course, New York. And the cheesecake included buffalo regatta. If that's Ooh, buffalo, buffalo regatta. regatta and white truffles God, and ew. gold leaves. So I'm guessing they're either you're going to wear the gold leaves as a necklace when you're done with your cheesecake, or they're edible gold leaves. I don't know. I love anything buffalo sauce like that, but that sounds kind of weird. You show. Don't- Gross. You show me the yeah. picture, uh, yeah. uh, uh, Monica. It looks yeah. like a big wedding cake. Yeah, like it looks it like is. a gigantic looks, wedding cake. It looks ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it looks ridiculous. Like it looks stupid. Yeah. For five thousand dollar cheesecake. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> if I'm getting five thousand dollar cheesecake, I don't want buffalo sauce on it. <laughs> God, that's terrible. I can go to Buffalo. I can go grab the stuff. Listen. Where, near where I live, there's a Stop and Shop right next to a Buffalo Wild Wings. I, listen, I can take my cheesecake from Stop and Shop. I can bring it to Buffalo Wild Wings, pour some buffalo sauce on it, and have the same damn thing. I think the buffalo regat is something not like a buffalo sauce. I don't know if it... Yeah, well, they should explain right, what it is. I don't really for sure. for, for lowly like, peasants any, like us that can't afford yeah, $5,000 cheesecake, seem we like don't know what buffalo regatta is. Good yeah. either, though. So regatta cheese and buffalo? I don't uh, think it's don't a spicy buffalo wing situation. Well, that ruins well, it, listen, for, our lo- for us lowly peasants that can't afford <laughs> $5,000 cheesecake, they should explain what buffalo regatta is because we don't know what that is. Okay? <laughs> We're too poor. You know. We're too poor to know what that is. God! Past the great coupon, right? <laughs> oh, oh. God. Gotcha. But I did bring you guys some 
little desserts. Yes, today. you did. All right, oh, so that's the news with our delicious, delicious with our really good. Big J Thank journalist Thank Monica you. right here on a Thursday. Thank you, Monica. Um, You're welcome. Thank this you, Monica. is They're this really, was really fantastic. Good. You're welcome, man. They're really good. By the way, so uh, Evan, you ate yours already, right? Uh, I had a, I had a couple pieces. Yeah, I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish it after the show. All right, so <laughs> really explain good. to me. So so for our viewers, this is what she made us today. <laughs> um, what is this? The, it, because, like, if it's what I think it is, it's like a brownie cookie thing with M&M's, yeah. with M&Ms in it. It's really that's, good. That's it. Oh. Well, there's four ingredients. Brownie, cookie, M&M's, and a little love. Oh, <laughs> that's so cute. Monica, I'm touched. <laughs> Thank you, Monica, though. Thank you. Really You're appreciate welcome. it. Thank, Thank you, so you guys. Week three for me, so enjoy. Week three. It. Yeah. Oh yeah! Hey, it's my third she's week in, anniversary. She's in line for. <laughs> she's in line with the NFL year. <laughs> That's all right. right. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's go to break. Coming up next, we'll make picks for week three. We'll track them. We'll tell you what our thoughts are. That's next. Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Good to have you back, Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Mike, Evan, Speedy Monica, Speedy Petey. All right, let's make picks for week three. Let's jam these in here. Evan, here we go. Who do we got? Okay. Thursday Night Football. Thursday Night Football, Titans at the Jaguars. Monica, you go first because we she, on, seems to, she seems to be right on all of this. We stick on Thursday Night Football. What, no no music, Evan? Going too. I'm getting yeah. it. Here you go. Uh, oh, I like that music. I didn't realize this was a we're, – you sound like Speedy. I didn't realize this was the Revolutionary War. It's the autumn wind is a post. All right, I'm going Tennessee. Okay, Tennessee. Monica's got Tennessee. Tennessee. I Look, did you do I the like Hard Knocks music? No, it's not the Hard Knocks. Version. All right, get rid of this music because there's a guy trying to talk over us, and I don't like him. <laughs> he doesn't realize that we're doing a show today. Jesus. Man, Shut up, guy. Don't like the autumn wind, man? No, I don't because he talks. All right, all right. Don't All right. Uh. I like Jacksonville in the game. I think the defense matches up well against Marcus Mariota. He has trouble throwing a receivers uh, by himself, and I think that's a great set of corners, a great secondary. I like Jacksonville at home against uh, Tennessee. Yeah, I'll take Tennessee, too. Well, I know. Monica, who are you going with? Tennessee. 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 I'm going to go with Tennessee. Stick with this. me, Evan. I am actually sticking with you. Yeah, no, <laughs> Wait, I'm going with I said Jacksonville, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. I'm going with Tennessee here. They're a point. Tennessee, by the way, is a point-and-a-half favor in this game. Right. Yeah, like you said, to pick them, I'm saying Tennessee – Derrick Henry will be a big difference here. Yeah, I'll take the Titans, too. I think the run game will be a bigger difference because the Titans have a better run defense. And I think Mariota running will make a difference in this game as well. Jacksonville's defense is nice, but their corner outside of Ramsey, they haven't been great this year. So I'll take the Titans close game. Broncos at the Packers. Uh, Packers by 6.5 at Lambeau. Broncos coming off a real, real heartbreaker. The other That was my upset Bears. last week. I was annoyed at that. Yes, the other day, so with 30 seconds left. So Broncos, Packers, who gets a win here? I got. I see Packers uh, minus 8, but uh, whatever it is, it's going to okay. be around a touchdown spread. Uh, so I'm going to take Green Bay. I think that Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, I think right now it's going to start getting better with that offense. And Green Bay's defense has turned into – I think they have the best divi- uh, best defense in the division. I really do. I think it's it's turning out to be the best defense in the division. And Denver has really struggled offensively. So I think it's a good matchup. I'll take Green Bay. I'll take Green Bay 27-14 over the Broncos. All right. I'm going Green Bay. Sweetie? Yeah, I'm going to go Green Bay, too. The offense for Denver is just not really that good right now. It's one of the worst talent units in the league. I think Philip Lindsay does well, and everyone else just really struggles for, for Denver. Green Bay, I think 
they will have some trouble offensively, but their tackles are strong against an outside rush in Denver that has really struggled, actually, this year. Least quarterback hits in the league. So I'm going to take the Packers 23-10. <laughs> I'll take the Packers, too, in this game. I think it's. Good. I think the Broncos will keep it close. I'll say somewhere around 27-21. Green Bay takes the win here. The Broncos offensive line spotty. They got some of the guys like Flacco, Lindsey, and Sanders trying to play around that line. Garrett Bowles had a really bad day the other day. <laughs> Garrett Bowles probably leads the league in penalties. Oh, oh it's bad. <laughs> 20, I'll say 27-21 Green Bay. Falcons at the Colts. Uh, Colts by one in this game in Indy. Uh, I like Atlanta. I think I do like Atlanta. I th- the one thing I don't love about this Colts team is I think they still have some holes on defense. They don't have bad players. It's just they haven't had time to, to <laughs> fill those holes yet. I'm going to take Atlanta here. I like them on the road. Uh, this is a great offense uh, with great wide receivers against a really still young, developing corners. Rocky Sin, Quincy Wilson, Pierre Desir. They're still young, developing corners. I like Atlanta in this game. I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. Give me 31-24 Atlanta. All right. I thought it was going to be a close game, too, but I picked Atlanta. Going with the Falcon over the horse. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to take the Falcons, too. I think it'll be close because the Colts have been pesky this year, and I think their defense still has been very well coached despite not having the talent, but I think it's just Atlanta just has too much. I think the Colts will then not break, holding the field goals a lot of the time to keep it close, but I'm going to take the Falcons. I think their running game will bounce back. I think the receiving depth is too much. 23-21 Falcons. You guys are all on the Falcons. Mike, you picked the Falcons? I picked Atlanta. Yeah. I'm going with the Colts here. I do wow. not trust the Atlanta Falcons. I, think the, I actually agree with Speedy on this. The Colts are pesky. Their defense has played really well. The Falcons' offense has kind of been consistent to start the season. Um, Ryan's kind of struggled a bit. I'm going to go say the Colts. Jacoby Brissett has looked all right. I'm going to say the Colts at home. Colts are favored by a point, so there's a reason for that. Colts at home. I'll say 21-20 Colts. All right. Kansas City. Ravens at the Chiefs. This is going to be a good football game. The Chiefs are six-point favorites going into this game at Arrowhead. Chiefs-Ravens. Who do we have, fellas? I, I do like Kansas City. I do think it'll be close. I think it'll be a high-flying football game. Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson are probably 1-2 and two in the MVP conversation early right now. Uh, I'm going to say Kansas City. You ready for this, Evan? Go for it. 40-36 to 36, Kansas City at home. Okay. Wow. I'm going to go with the Ravens. Wow. They're still riding high. All right. Yeah. Monica. Thanks, Monica. <laughs> high five. High Woo. five. High five. <laughs> All right, Evan. Go for it. Evan, I I am the biggest defender of the Ravens on this network, maybe besides Tyler, but I, I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one. Again, it's nothing against the Ravens as a team. I think they're very talented. They're very deep. They had trouble last week against Kyler Murray and yeah, an did. offense that isn't overly talented in the Arizona Cardinals. Christian Kirk, like I said, I don't know, had 114 yards. Larry Fitzgerald had close to 100. That concerns me against this Chiefs receiving core, which has a lot of big play threats on it, a lot of speed. Jimmy Smith still being out probably is concerning. And the offensive line for the Chiefs, while it isn't great, is still better than the Cardinals. I think big plays will be the difference. I don't think it's as high scoring as what Mike thinks it is. And I do think the Ravens will be able to run some, but I think they'll have to settle for field goals a lot too because the Chiefs' uh, red zone defense has still been okay. So I'll take the Ravens 28-20, or the Chiefs 28-23. Yeah, I'm going to say Kansas City in this game too. I just don't trust the Ravens. I think the Ravens' defense here... We're going to see, I think the Ravens defense, we're going to see what they really are. I think their pass rush there has been great the last these first two games, but against Arizona, and uh, that's against Arizona and Miami. Chiefs, I know they're missing Eric Fisher in the left tackle spot, but I think the Chiefs offensive line will hold due against the Ravens pass rush. 
I have the Raven secondary, I think, could get beaten for could get beat by a lot by this Chiefs high flying attack. I think the Ravens Chiefs de all defensive line, Chris Jones had a big day the last time they met. I think the Ravens offense will move the ball, but I agree they might have to sell for field goals. I think the Chiefs were one of the teams in the fourth quarter that found a way to kind of hold off Lamar. Right. I'll say Chiefs 37, Ravens 23. It would be oh, a wow. close. I think it's more of a blowout. Well, I actually think it'll be close, but I think Kansas City will kind of pull away in the end. I think it's going to be a good football game. I'll say Chiefs 37, Ravens 23. All right, next game. Bengals at the Bills. Bills favored by four and a half. The 2-0, undefeated Buffalo Bills. I like Buffalo. I actually like Buffalo showing me some really good things. Offensively, they're definitely improved from last year, and this defense is still elite. Uh, and Cincinnati, Andy Dalton's having a good year, but this is a good Bills defense. Uh, I like Buffalo here. I like Buffalo 23-19 to 19 over Cincinnati. Wow. Well, I made a mistake last week, and I didn't take Buffalo, and my best friend pointed it out to me, Lisa, so I'm going with Buffalo this week. She said never go against them, so that's for Lisa. Buffalo is – I think <laughs> Buffalo is surprisingly real good this year. Yeah. They are good. Go ahead, Speedy. I'm taking the upset here. I'm going to take the Bengals. I actually think... You and the Bengals. I don't understand. Well, yeah, I think their pass rush has still done well this year for the most part. The 49ers counted that well with their quick offense, their Kyle Shanahan, their scat back type offense. But they did well against the Seahawks, and they did well interior stopping the run for the most part until, again, the second half when they were just worn out. Buffalo's offensive line has improved, but it's still not great. And I don't know if they really have the weapons to uh, to attack that Bengals secondary. The receivers are good, but they're not great like, by any stretch. I really think they're going to have a tough time. And Josh Allen, I think, will run. I think Singletary plays well in the, the game, but that's really it. I don't really see it. Offensively, Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton has played well this year. He's second in the league in passing yards. Their receivers have played very well, even without A.J. Green. And after Tredavious White, their corner depth for Buffalo really isn't great, and they haven't really played anyone where they could get tested. I think this is where they finally get exposed just a little bit. Not too badly, but just a little bit. I'll take the Bengals 20-17 to in an upset. I'll take the Bills in this game, too. I love their defense. Their defense will force some turnovers on Andy Dalton. I think the Bills offense will move the ball. I think Singletary and Gore could have really big days. I'll say Buffalo 24, Bengals 13 in this game. Jets at the Patriots in Foxborough. Guys, do you want to guess the line for this game? It's in the minus 23. 16. Yeah. 16. Patriots by 16 in this game. I see minus 23. I guess you and oh, I have, you have 23? I, I, have, guess have I guess we have different spreads. Okay. I see 22 and a half. Yeah, you're right. You know what? You're right. I see 22 and a half too. Okay, yeah. I'm looking at another one. 22 and a half. Okay. Well, Still though. Woo boy. Yeah. So, who we got, Mikey? Well, I'm going to take New England, and I'm going to take New England big. Patriots are at home. The Jets are working with Luke Falk at quarterback. They have a terrible set of corners, and this is a great receiving core for New England. Uh, uh, listen, the Patriots own the Jets at home anyway, so I'm going to take New England. I'm going to take them 35 to 10. Uh, actually, scratch that. 35 to nine, New England. I don't think I don't think the Jets get in the end zone. Yeah, I mean that's an easy one too. You got to go Patriots. They'll definitely cover the spread. You know what's funny? You know what's funny? I have a nine too in my the Jets. Yeah, Patriots win this one big. I think the Jets defense. They'll hang around for a little while, but then they'll just tire out. The Patriots just have too much. I actually have nine, too, which is funny. 34 to remember, nine. Remember 2010 when the Patriots beat the heck out of a Monday Night Football? On Monday Night Football, they beat the heck out of a really, really good Jets team, 45 to three? Yeah, right. that's going to happen again. 45-3, Pats. It's going to happen again. 
Lions at the Eagles. Interesting game. Eagles are favored by six and a half in this game. The Lions are coming off a big upset win over the Chargers on oh, Sunday. Oh, I had fun with that one, making fun of the Chargers. <laughs> Lions at the Eagles. Eagles by six and a half. So, Eagles-Lions. Uh, I'm going to take Philadelphia. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Uh, but I do think it's going to be a double-digit win. Philadelphia is missing a couple of offensive weapons, so I think they'll struggle a little bit offensively to begin it. Uh, but I don't think Detroit is that good. Uh, so I'm going to take Philadelphia 24-14 to over the Lions in Philly. Yeah. Well, when you're in Philly, I think you have to go with the cheesesteak. I'm going Eagles. I agree. Yeah. I'm going to take the Eagles, too. I do think it'll be closer than people think. I think the Lions have a lot of receiving matchups uh, that they can go to against an Eagles secondary that isn't great and is on the smaller side when it comes to the build of their corners. I think Kenny Galladay is a big day. I think he could be I actually, you know what? It's funny that you say that. I actually think Marvin Jones is going to be the guy that has the big I day. I think Galladay will have the big day with his size against smaller corners. But I think Jones will play well, too. The thing is, I don't. The Lions, I don't think, can run, and that's that's where the Eagles are going to dominate. The Lions did very well last week against the Chargers pass rush. I think they could limit that this week, but the Eagles still have too much depth, in my opinion. I think the Eagles will run well, and Zach Ertz will bounce back despite not having the receiving depth everywhere else. Mm -hmm. The Lions don't have the linebackers and safeties with the speed that the Falcons do to be able to contain him like they did. 27-21, Eagles. That's kind of the thing, though. The Eagles, like, the, on paper, the Eagles are better, but they're, the Eagles have injuries. They're way the better track. on paper, oh, but they better. just have matchups. The Lions have some good matchups. Yeah, and the Eagles have, but the Eagles have injuries with Alshon Jeffrey. They have injuries with Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson's going to be out for this game. I think it looks like, I don't know what Alshon Jeffrey, the stats for Alshon Jeffrey is going to be. But I will take the Eagles regardless. You know, I do think the Eagles will take this game. I'll say it will be close. I'll say 23-17. I'm very surprised the Lions beat the Chargers. But I'll take the Eagles 24-16 in this game. I think the Eagles defense will get a turnover on Matthew Stafford here to be the decider. Uh, Raiders at the Vikings. Vikings by a 9.5 in this one at home. Uh, I like Minnesota. I think this is the perfect opportunity for Kirk Cousins to bounce back. I think he's had a really rough time so far early in the year. Uh, it's going to be a lot of Dalvin Cook, but I do expect that uh, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen to have good games. And I think this Minnesota defense is incredibly good. It's probably a top five defense in the league. Uh, I'm going to take Minnesota. I'm going to take them 21 to 16 over the Oakland Raiders. All right. I went Minnesota too. I just don't. I don't like the Raiders. It's pretty simple. Never been a fan of that team. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, Monica, you got to warm up to my Raiders, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take Minnesota, too. I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be even that close. I think Dalvin Cook so far has really been the best performance running back in the league this year. He's through, been phenomenal. Through yeah. two weeks, he's been phenomenal with that. Those cutbacks, those secondary moves you've really seen. He's gotten big runs. He's been consistent. And the Raiders just don't have the front to stop that. The Vikings' offensive line is a big is a weakness still, but the Raiders really don't have the pass rush to compensate for that. And Cousins will play better. I don't know how much better he'll play because I think it will be mostly a, a, a ground attack. But I think the running game and the defense will do the rest. 28-13 to 13 Vikings. So I put all my eggs in the Vikings basket last week, and that didn't work out so well. Um, I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings in a bounce-back win after the bat, after the heartbreaker against the Green Bay Packers last week. I'll say the Vikings take this game. Oakland will compete. Oakland's actually played better than I expected them to play so far this season. But I think the Vikings will take this one 27-20. to 20. Raider, I think the Raiders' offense can move the ball against the Vikings' defense. You really one. think it'll be that close? I think it'll be close. The Raiders have played, the Raiders have played more competitive than, than I think, you know. So I'll say 27, and the Vikings, again, they're just a roller coaster. I do like the Vikings this year, though. 
27-20. I do think the Raiders make this close at home in Minnesota. Okay, Cowboys Dolphins. Dolphin Cowboys up by 21 and a half. The line is everyone 5 4 3 2 1. Cowboys. 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 <laughs> I'm going to give you That was easy. I'll give you 55 to 10 Dallas. Nice. I like it. Yeah, I'll go like 50 I'll go 50 to 10. Something like that. Okay. Four o'clock window. Yeah. Speedy, uh, Speedy, what do you think of scores, Speedy? Uh, I don't think we'll get 50 because I think it'll be a mostly running kind of game. I think Zeke will dominate and they'll just be ball control. I'll say 27-3. All right, guys. The debut of Daniel Jones. The uh, debut of Daniel Jones at Tampa Bay. Yeah. Tampa yeah. Bay favored by six and a half. Wow. Speedy. We'll let you go first on this one. You're Giants. I'm Giants taking Tampa. I uh, would have taken him even if Eli Manning was starting. I don't. I think Jones will play fine. I think he'll have 200-something yards, low 200s, and I think he'll have a touchdown. But I think Tampa's defense has been very good. I think Saquon will play well, but, again, I think they'll fall behind too much. The Bucs just have too much offensive weapons against that Giants defense, which has just been terrible. For everyone who's worried about O.J. Howard, I think this is the game he'll break out. The Giants' middle of the field defense is horrible. And I'm going to take the Bucks pretty big, 34 to 20. Yeah, I'm going to take Tampa too. Uh, and here's my deal: I think Saquon Barkley's going to have a nice day. I do think Daniel Jones will play well, but I do think they're going to limit him. I, I, they're probably not going to let him throw the ball more than 30 times. So I, I'm expecting more of like a like an 18 of 24 or an 18 of 25 performance or something like that. They're going to give him a chance to throw the ball, but he doesn't have great receivers to throw to this week. Uh, so I'm gonna get, I'm gonna take Tampa, but I, I think it's gonna be relatively low scoring. I'm gonna take Tampa 17-13. You really trust the Giants defense that much? I do. I do. Really? I, like I said, I don't think I don't think Jameis Winston in that Giants. Uh, I, I don't think Jameis Winston in that Bucks offense is that firepower. They've got good weapons, but they don't have a running game. And Jameis Winston has trouble getting it to those talented receivers. I don't see it. I will say, though, that for the two defenses they faced with the front seven talent they have, their running game has actually been surprisingly good, though. So I'm going to take Tampa. 17-13 Tampa over the Giants. All right, I'm going to send positive vibes to the Giants down in uh, Don't do Tampa. it again. Don't do it again. I'm going to go with them. Don't I, do it again. I feel like oh, they oh, need no. it. Yeah. Am I uh, alone? Yep. I, you know, I was. I picked them last week. I can't pick them this week. The Giants. <laughs> I did pick them last week. I was. I thought it was a trap game. I yeah. am tempted to take the Giants because it is against the Bucks. But I actually, Do I'm going to take. I'm going to take. I am going to take the Bucks. The <laughs> rookie quarterback on the road right. top, against Todd Bowles' coach defense. Todd Bowles is a decent defense. A good defensive coordinator. He'll know how to coach up the rookie. I think. I think OJ. I think Mike Evans will be in for a big game against that Giants defense. I think OJ Howard too. Chris Godwin's been pretty good for the Bucks. I think Winston could have a big game here. I think Daniel Jones will have his ups and downs here. I'll say Tampa Bay 27, the Giants 13. Daniel Jones will have his ups and downs, but I'll take Tampa Bay in this game. This All game right, got we'll a, see. This game, I'll be, I'll be pulling for Daniel Jones. I really will. This game got a lot more interesting. Carolina at the Cardinals. Cardinals are now favored by two and a half. With Cam Newton, looks like he'll miss this one. Kyle Allen. Cardinals are favored? For, now the Cardinals are the favorites in this game, yes. Okay. I see Panthers by two and a half. Oh, I see Cardinals by two and a half. Okay. Maybe, right, whatever. I see but like I said, maybe the line just changed because Carol because Cam Newton's injury status. Maybe, yeah. But yeah, Caleb looks like so maybe Kyle Allen start this game. I like Arizona. I like Arizona to win this game. And here's my deal. I think without Cam Newton, I think the Panthers will struggle. I I think they struggle anyway. I think Carolina probably would have lost this game anyway. Really? really? I, yeah, really? I think Arizona. You're going to start seeing this offense get a little bit better. I think the Arizona right now is talented enough to be a six-win team. I, I, I Listen, 
tying against uh, tying against Detroit and then losing to Baltimore. I'm not going to take anything away from them. I don't think that they've looked that bad, but I'm going to take Arizona. It should be relatively low scoring. Give me Arizona 20 to 10 over Carolina. All right. I'm going Arizona. I think, too, it's going to be a close game, but I think they can do it. If, Carolina, Monica? Uh, no, she took Arizona. Oh, Arizona. Okay. I'm sorry. If Cam Newton plays, I'm going to take the Panthers because I do think there's matchups that could be exposed in the uh, still iffy Arizona secondary. But if Cam Newton does not play, I will take the Cardinals as well. And that's the direction it's leaning in right now. I think it'll be kind of a sloppy, low-scoring game. Panthers have actually, despite their front seven talent, has had trouble stopping the run. But Arizona's had trouble running the ball, so I don't know what to look for there. I think Cliff Kingsbury so far, I'll give him a lot of credit. Good halftime adjustments at both games so far. They were down 17-6, I believe it was, at halftime against the Ravens. And they, obviously, they were down huge against the Lions. I'll give him credit for that. So I'll trust them late in the game to be able to do it. I think if Cam Newton plays, I'll take Carolina. I'll take Arizona. Otherwise, 23-20. Well, that's no decision, really. Yeah, I'll take I mean, what? Which way? You got to pick. But right, right now, now right up. now I'm leaning on the Cardinals. It seems like right. it seems like Cam's not going to play. I'm going to take the Cardinals too in this game. I don't think Cam's going to play. I was really imp- I was really impressed by Kyler Murray last week. He played really well in Baltimore against a team historically great against rookie quarterbacks at home. I was really impressed by him. Cardinals in a very close one, 21-20 Arizona Cardinals at home. Steelers at the 49ers, 49ers by 6.5, the debut of Mason Rudolph. Wow. In San Francisco. I'm going to take the Niners. Uh, I think this is a really unfortunate matchup for Pittsburgh because I do think that they would have had a shot at winning this game if Big Ben was healthy. But at the same time, I do think that they are going to uh, they are going to struggle with Mason Rudolph. I think that uh, San Francisco, they have a very fast twitch offense, getting the ball out quick. It's very twitchy. It's very weird. Uh, and I think Minka Fitzpatrick is still going to have some trouble getting into that defense in the first week uh, with the team. So I am going to take San Francisco 27-17 over Pittsburgh. All right. I like the Niners at home too, so that's my pick. Yeah, I'm going to take the Niners, too. I think Rudolph will actually play well. I The Niners' secondary has overperformed a little bit this year, but still isn't great. So I think Rudolph will play well. I think they'll let him throw the ball downfield. They'll let him try out with the fast receivers. But the problem is I, I don't know how they can run the ball. The Niners' run defense has been stout this year. That Even though Joe Mixon was hurt, they still limited him to six yards in the entire game. James Connors had his issues this year, so I just think it'll be an unbalanced offense. The Steelers' defense will definitely look better with Minka Fitzpatrick there for sure because that team needs the corners. But the 49ers, they've been the best conceptual football team through two weeks, I think. They've really been well coached with a lot of iffy talents. And I think this is finally the week you're going to see Dante Pettis break out. And I think George Kittle will go back to the George Kittle of last year. 24-17 Niners. I had the Niners winning this game even before Ben's injury. I'm still going to pick – I'm picking San Francisco in this one. I'll say 16-13 because I like Pittsburgh's pass rush against that night. There is no Joe Staley in this game. Joe Staley is out. Uh, I'm taking, I think Pittsburgh's pass rush could cause some problems. Minka Fitzpatrick's first game could definitely help them. But I just think the Niners' defense will, t- will, will take advantage of Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph might throw a couple picks, make get a couple pass rush in there. Garoppolo might, Garoppolo might th- will still find some open lanes in this, in this week's secondary with, with Minka's first game. I'll say San Francisco by a field goal, 16-13. Pittsburgh will still keep this relatively close on the road. Chargers, uh, Texans at the Chargers. Chargers by three at home, coming off a bad loss against Detroit. 
Uh, yeah, I like L.A. I like the Chargers in this game. I think they got a rebound after the loss to Detroit. Uh, the, that was a bad loss, and I do think it's a good matchup for them. They've got really talented receivers with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, Travis Benjamin, guys like that, and this is a weak Texan secondary. I think that's the key to the game. Uh, give me the Chargers. I'm going to say 30-24 to 24 over the Texans. All right. Agree to disagree. You mess with the bull, you get the horn. So I'm going Houston. I am too. I'm going to go with the Texans as well. I think the Deshaun Watson could it be, could roll out from that pass rush. I think that'll be a matchup to look at running, both him running and rollout plays. The Chargers have still had trouble stopping the run. And the Texans have gotten a surprisingly decent running game, even against the Saints, which is the number one run defense in football. They were actually okay against the run. I think... The Texans will be able to finish drives a little better as well. I, I like the way they've their other receivers have played, and the Chargers' secondary depth has not been great. The Chargers have also struggled in the red zone this year, and they've beaten themselves a lot with penalties. So, in a close game, surprise, surprise, the Chargers lose. Texans win 28-26. I will... You hate the Chargers. In close games, yes. I will take the charge in this game. Laramie Tunsil's been limited within, limited in practice this week after he injured his ankle in his first game against the Jaguars on Sunday. I will take the Chargers because I love the, uh, the, that matchup with them, that pass rush against that Texans offensive line. Watson could be in for a long day. I think it's going to be a good close one. 21-17 Chargers. Watson will get the ball last. The Chargers pass rush will take, will, take, will take care of business in the final drive of the game to stop them. 21-17 L.A. Chargers and a bounce back. Watson is a good late-game quarterback, though. He is. He Always is. Always is. Very, very, very. He is. He's terrific. Saints at the Seahawks in their first game without Drew Brees this today, this Sunday. Seattle by four in Seattle. Line didn't go up. It only went by four. I, you know, it, it is a tough game, but I am going to take Seattle. I think it's a really tough break for New Orleans, and I think it's a really good break for Seattle. I think Seattle could start this season 3-0 and based purely on luck. They got a break with playing Cincinnati in week one. That's scheduling. They played... Uh, Pittsburgh without Big Ben, and now they're going to play the Saints without Drew Brees. Uh, I think Seattle goes 3-0 and here. I think it's a closer game than most people expect. Give me 21-20 Seattle. All right. Well, without Drew Brees, I'm going to have to go with Seattle. Yeah, I got to go with Seattle, too, because Seattle's also done a great job stopping the run so far this year. And they're gonna. The Saints are gonna need to rely a lot on the running game in order to get it going. I like Teddy Bridgewater, but again, he's still not completely in sync with this entire playbook yet. This entire again chemistry with the receivers. It's one thing to practice; it's another thing to actually do it in a game. And the Seahawks, well, they don't have a great secondary, still have a good defensive system, so I trust that to work. Their run game will struggle a little bit, but they're gonna rely on big plays from their receivers. I'll take the Seahawks 24 to 10. Mason Rudolph in Seattle. Uh, oh, no, Rudolph. I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Teddy Bridgewater. I've Teddy Bridgewater in Seattle, that environment, that 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 atmosphere in Seattle. I think it's going to be tough for Bridgewater and the Saints. I'll say Seattle, 24 to 10. Seattle takes wow, care of business. Wow, copy my score, huh? You're going 20, did you say 24 yeah. 10? Yeah, I'll say 24 10 Seattle too. I think Russell Wilson makes a couple of big plays. It's going to be really tough for Bridgewater in that in Seattle. All right, Sunday Night Football. Big one, big one. No David Njoku in this one. Rams at the Browns in Cleveland. Sunday Night Football. Rams by three in this game. Again, no David Njoku here. He's out for could be more than a month with a broken wrist. All right, it, this really isn't going to sit well with some people, and I'm going to take the Rams, and I'm going to take the Rams big. I think it's going to be a blowout. Uh, I actually, for my one of my picks for my for, uh, for sure four is going to be take the Rams as the favorite against the Browns. I love the Rams here. They get blown out twice in a row at home. 
I think it's a bad matchup offensively and defensively for Cleveland. Give me the Rams 35 to 13. Wow. The Rams. Wow. I, I think it's I think the Browns get blown out. Blown out. Wow. I picked the Rams too, but I think it's gonna be a little little bit of a closer game. Yeah, I'm gonna pick the Rams too. I think the Njoku being out, I think, hurts a lot more than people expect because I think the Ra that's the one matchup you could really expose the Rams with. They're not good in the middle of the field. Their safeties are iffy. Their coverage linebackers have been iffy this year. I think Nick Chubb plays well. I think the receivers will get theirs, but I, Baker Mayfield still has not looked good this year. He's been inaccurate, especially with his middle of the field throws, and I think that's really going to hurt offensively for the Rams. Watch out for Malcolm Brown to play well in this game as well. Tigrelli's not going to get all the carries. The Browns have had trouble against the run. I think that'll end up making the difference. And the Rams have some receiver matchups, too, that are going to be good. So I'm going to take the Rams in this one 30 to 21. Yeah, I'm going to take the Rams, too. I'll say the Rams 27-17. Too much, just too much talent the Rams have. Too much. I know it's in Cleveland, but the Rams have too much talent. Losing to Joku is huge. Uh, that's, a, that's a big loss for the Browns. Miles Garrett, I, I mean, I, th I he had a huge game, last big game last, last week against the Jets. Might be a little tough for him against Andrew Whitworth. I'll say the Rams in this one, too. Monday night, Bears at the Washington Redskins in, in Landover, Maryland. Bears by four in this game Monday night. Uh, I am, I'm going to take Chicago. I'm going to take Chicago. I think this is going to be a dangerously close football game because Case Keenum has actually played relatively well in Washington, uh, but I do think Chicago's defense is going to say something about that. It's, uh, that Redskins offensive line has struggled without Trent Williams, and they have a great pass rush, the Bears, with Khalil Mack, Leonard Floyd, Akeem Hicks. They definitely get after the passer. So I'm going to take the Bears. It'll be a relatively average game. I'm going to say 24-20. to 20. Uh, Chicago over the Redskins. All right. Well, I think this is the Bears' chance to wake up, come out of hibernation. So I'm going Bears. I am too. I'm going to take the Bears. I think it'll be a very sloppy, low-scoring game. Both these offenses are going to have trouble running. Both these teams are very kind of running teams right now. And both these defenses are stout against the run. But I think the Bears will be able to force the turnovers a little more, get the short fields. The Redskins, while Case Keenum have played well, have been reliant on big plays a lot of the time. They might get a couple, but... It's still going to be very hard for the Redskins. Terry McLaurin's your best receiver, and then they got literally nothing else. You got no Darius Geis, no Jordan Reed. It's going to be very hard for the Redskins. So I'm going to take the Bears. Very sloppy game, 16 to 10. I was impressed by the Bears last week against Denver. They were able to really move the run the football a lot. I expect that you know after being really pass heavy in opening day against the Packers, I expect that to continue. They're going to be balanced on offense again, running and passing. Defensively, they're going to get after the Bears. They're going to get after Washington's offense. Another another day without Trent Williams for them. I say Bears. They bear. I actually agree with Monica. They're going to wake up and show that they are true Super Bowl contenders, and they will win this game, 27 to 10, over Washington Redskins and Monday Night Football. All right. So there's our picks Whew. for Week Three. We'll be back tomorrow to. I'll give you my four sure four. The gambling picks for tomorrow. I think it's some good stuff tomorrow. Uh, Speedy Petey, thanks for invading our show for the second yep. half. Monica well, Ray, course. our Big J journalist. Uh, Evan Mazza, my producer. I'm Mike Guido. This is the Haystack of the World's Wide Sports Radio Network. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll see you. You're, you're, you're listening to the World Wide Sports Radio Network.